welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 139th episode of the podcast, airing June 20th, 2022. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back to the program special guest Spencer Michaud to join me in a discussion on Cancer Solstice Season 2022 where Spencer and I, two bona fide crabs, get together to break down this year's cancer season. We chat about the solstice energies, the qualities of cardinal water, and the highlights of this 30-day period before deep diving into the ins and outs of each transit and lunation. You can expect to hear a lot of our personal Cancerian insights as we reminisce on our experiences, with us even breaking out into childhood song at one point. We do hope you enjoy the program as much as we had fun making it. And happy solstice solstice to you all. Now, to see our in-person antics while we dissect the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to support this program, come on down to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly, or you can leave a tip in my tip jar. And you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter called The Heavenly Wind while you are there. It is chocked full of astro and tarot and even animal goodies, and it comes out once a month, and there will be uh, a new version coming out here soon because it's almost July already. So sign up for that, and you'll get it in your inbox. Now, I do have a special announcement to save the date uh, because I am thrilled to tell you all that I have teamed up with Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology for another astro learning experience. So on July 2nd at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific, I will be performing a free webinar titled Shades of Expression, Discovering Your Planetary Palette. And so in this webinar, I'll be exploring how your individual combinations of planets and signs make up the palette that paints your life's experience. It'll be a one-hour webinar where we'll look into the concept of planetary rulership, Uh, we'll learn how that rulership colors your unique shades of expression, and how that makes up the hues of your planetary palette. Now, this will be a precursor lecture to a five-week course that starts July 14th, which is going to be fun, fun, fun. So come join us on the 2nd to get some solid takeaways and whet your appetite for what's to come. And uh, just a little mention, there will be a free giveaway, free giveaways too, just a few, uh, but you'll have to be in the webinar to take part in that. So to sign up, you can click the link in the description of wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, you can come on over to my Instagram at Energetic Principles or even on my webpage. Of course, I'll have it there too. And so we do hope to see you there. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Cancer Solstice season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back to the program here today. We have Spencer Michaud with us here again. Thanks for joining me, Spencer. Hey, Mel, how you doing? Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we got two cancers in the house for cancer season. You know, it's got... (laughs) I thought of uh, who would be the perfect person to talk about cancer season with. And it's actually been, Spencer, you haven't been, Spencer joined me with Shu when we did the Venus retrograde episode back in like late November of 2021, somewhere around then. 
Um, but I think the last time we did an actual forecast on my podcast was uh, actually a Capricorn solstice season back in 2020. <laughs> I think that was the one. Um, yeah, that was a big yeah. one, wasn't it? That was a big one. <laughs> so we had, to, we had to even it out. <laughs> yeah, that was the big uh, Saturn-Jupiter conjunction uh, was. in Aquarius, right? right? That's what we were looking oh, yeah. at around then. That was, that was so. what we were looking at. There was all types of things going on. Um and so, yeah, so we're back again for uh, another solstice, a different solstice, a summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, but just in case you are new to the program or new to Spencer, before we get started, Spencer, share a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm a, a professional astrologer uh, based out of Ypsilanti, Michigan. And um, I have a YouTube channel, Spencer Michelle Astrology, that I've been you know, doing live streams and teaching uh, webinars and lectures on. And um, I'm inspired by Hellenistic astrology, but also mythopoetic astrologers like Liz Green and, um, you know, some of the fixed star work of like Burned at Brady and things like that. Um, I'm a, a graduate of the nightlight astrology programs and all of that <laughs> uh, juice from, from that interesting uh, branch of astrological education. And um, yeah, I just, I, I, I just love astrology. I've been doing it for, uh, in one form or another, for about 20 years now. <laughs> so, but, but professionally for, I don't know, the last few. I was a professional musician for a long time and just really, uh, someone gifted me uh, Demetri George's Astrology and the Authentic Self. And that sent me on the down the uh, rabbit hole of uh, traditional astrology, and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> That's what happens. It's, it sucks you in, and it is a lifelong journey. Um, but we're glad it sucked you in, Spencer, <laughs> because yeah. you have been contributing some wonderful things to the astrological community. Uh, so definitely go check Spencer's. YouTube channel out because I have, I've been on there a couple of times myself, but, uh, you're showing up at least a couple times a month. Uh, sometimes if not more to, uh, have guests, uh, a lot of reputable guests on with bright ideas, talking about all types of things. So you're definitely going to want to check out his YouTube channel. Uh, you're also going to want to check out, you probably heard if you listen to me, <laughs> which I guess you are, if you are here today. Um, but I've been touting Spencer's, uh, sign series that he's been doing for a 10 months now. And so you have another one coming up here, correct? For cancer. Yeah. I've got the, the, I call it integrative divination, um, the decans of cancer. So it's, it's a really deep dive into each of the sign images through, through the lens of the decans. We combine tarot, we combine the each 10 degree section of a sign. I go through the mythological significance of each sign. Um, it's really a lot of fun. We, I, I, put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears into it. And um, we have really nice discussions. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. The next one's going to be on July the 16th, uh, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that and hope people will join me. Yes. Yeah, so go, uh, we'll have a link to Spencer's workshop, uh, in the description of this podcast. And of course, if you're a listener of the podcast and you put in the code EP20, you can get 20% off of the workshop or the bundle because you do bundle them together, right? Spencer for each, uh, uh, season yeah, or not the... se season slash season three seasons and one season. 
<laughs> yeah, I've, I've got the summer bundle coming up here with Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. So the signs of summer. I'm going to be doing Cancer and Leo live. And then Virgo was the actually the Deccan webinar that I started with those many 10 months ago, it feels like now. Uh, but I'm going to be doing that, at, sending that off as a uh, as a recorded session from that first one that we did together. So um, I'd love to have all of you uh, for, for the series. And you can find previous webinars too. If you missed them, uh, you can find them on the store on my website, spencermichaud.com. Yeah, it is, a, it is a rich body of work. And so if you want to do a deep dive into the signs from so many angles, you're going to want to go check Spencer out. So, all right. Well, we uh, speaking of cancer, we're going to be talking all things cancer. Well, kind of all things cancer, but <laughs> it is sure. cancer solstice season uh, just around the corner here. I think this is actually going to release a day before the solstice, which happens on Tuesday, uh, Jan- January, wrong month, <laughs> June. <laughs> Like what J am I in? <laughs> June 21st, which I actually have it wrong in my notes. Now I'm looking at it. So at 22nd, I wanted it to be a day later. I'm like, can you hold off? Astrology moves so fast lately. Like the yeah. planets are in a world. I'm like, where are we at? It's I don't know. <laughs> infinite. It, it, it is infinite. <laughs> it is infinite. All right. So I'm just going to go ahead and share my screen here if you're watching the video. Um, But let us talk a little bit about just solstice in general, uh, because it is a a special time of year. We have these, you know, we think about the year and tropical astrology really being divided into these these pivot points of quarters where we have two solstices and two equinoxes. Um, But Spencer, when I say, when I say solstice and especially summer solstice, because I know a lot of us here are listening in the Northern hemisphere, uh, what does that bring up for you? Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really fascinating time of year. Um, it's the point where the sun is at its highest declination or its highest point that it rises in the sky at noon. So we've got this solar journey that we see through uh, different um, parts of astrology, different times of year, and here we've got the solar power that is at its height. And then the sun reverses direction right at that summer solstice and starts to rise slightly lower in the sky each day. So we're seeing the ascension of the, the powers of the night start to return. Um, and we've got the, the house of the moon here with cancer. Um, and one of the, th- the really interesting things about um, the, so- the summer solstice that I've come across in my research, you know, in my last Gemini Deccans webinar and into cancer here is the Egyptian um, philosophy that cancer was the, the first sign, really, instead of like the fourth sign, right? So we have cancer on the... Um, the ascendant of the Thema Mundi, which was related to the returning of the fertility to the Nile River Valley. And uh, that, that to me is just very fascinating. Think of it as, as a union of body and soul and infusing us with a new sense of purpose and, and things of mm. that nature. So it's a, it's a really um, hopeful, inspiring time, I think. I think it's a uh, you know, in the Northern hemisphere, it's a time of abundance. So it's, uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. It's, uh, it's interesting because, uh, when we think about cancer being the, the first sign of the Zodiac, uh, in, uh, in very traditional speak, uh, back then, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, they both do having Aries as its own, uh, spark of something, right. And when you think about fire yeah. and that just initial, uh, flame and start and inspiration and kind of spiritual motivation behind things. 
And then water follows it up. And we, we know what is the thing we think of most with cancer a lot of times is this mother energy, this birth, right? This creation, this void that, you know, brings forth life. Um, and so they're both births, but in, in different, in different ways. Uh, but I think that I one, like, yeah, one thing ahead. you can think about with cancer is that it is a creature of the borders uh, between land and, and the sea. Right. And that ocean being that primordial sea of the collective unconscious of the the one the oneness of the spirit world on some level. So you know, life was begat from the, those oceans, and I think that we're seeing that with like the kind of like think about it as the the amniotic sea of fluid that that a baby grows into, mm-hmm. right? So we're coming from that that oceanic consciousness just even inside our mothers in those uh, meta cycles as well. Yeah, that that the womb, the uh, <laughs> the oceanic womb that nurtures us all, uh, yeah. and we think about you know life in general, like or we think about as far as human beings and how we are derived from the sea in some way. You know, we think about being ancestors of a fish-like species that have you know, like literally, mm-hmm. the cancer was the first to crawl up on the shore, and they're like, oh, what's this? Uh, well, don't let's, we, don't let's we sort of this have... gap. And we sort of have gills for a little while when we're yeah, in, we had in the little womb, some right? gills. We were, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. We have yeah. like little shark gills <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> when we start out there. So there's uh, we're all sea creatures to some some effect here, but uh, it's also that just nourishment quality, like you said, with the the Nile River uh, coming into because that is the lifeblood. That's the life of the people. It's you know we all need water to survive. We're made up of what, like 65, 70% water. So water is such a crucial point of life. Um, and so cardinal energy as the cancer is, is kind of that rush and that start. And so when we think about water and cardinal water in, in general, what's your, what's kind of your image that comes up as far as like, you know, I would like to liken water type bodies to signs. What, <laughs> what do you think cancer is? like what kind of like image or symbol do I see with it or yeah or like um I guess for me when I think of cancer I think of kind of like uh like a wave coming at you Mm. or like you know um yeah I I like uh yeah I I I saw a really good image in one of the books that I was reading um for research for this talk today and it showed a cancer a crab in a tide pool and I thought that was really great. Like the these little pockets of sheltered, uh, fertile water where there's it's just teeming with life, and it's sort of a mixture of that land and and the sea and those primordial waters. I mean, you know, we got to think about the moon a little bit here too. And the moon can pull those tides in and out. And we are fluctuating, we're ebbing and flowing with with the with the current and whatnot. Um, I, can I read a quote for you? Because this was something that yeah. I, I was like, because I, I was thinking about this because we think of cancer as this really like, you know, hard exterior, squishy inside. I believe our <laughs> one of our favorite authors, Susie Chang, says it's like the hard candy shell with the chewy caramel center. So the nougat center. <laughs> right? yeah, so, but, but, I, but, I, but one of the things that I think is interesting, and, and I think you and I definitely feel this from our shared histories, being cancers and growing up a certain way is, you know, the moon giveth and the moon taketh away. 
And, you know, this is a quote from Liz Green's book, Mythic Astrology, which was a companion to her tarot deck that she did that was astrological. And she says, lunar compassion is not flowery, but is a ruthless force, a ruthless force of nature through which an emerging life is protected and preserved. Mm. So I I was like, oh, yeah, because I I think I felt that in, in certain moments too. this like you know, protectiveness. And I'll tell you what imagery that came up to me. I've been thinking about, okay, who is the Cancerian archetypes in our collective? And the one uh, that really stood out to me was Mike Tyson, uh, the boxer, right? Uh, And he's he's a, a really polarizing figure. You know, he was just a really, just a force of nature, they used to call him basically, where he was just the most vicious, strong, you know, un undefeatable force. And he has this really interesting paradox of, of, um, raising pigeons. (laughs) Like he loves, he just has like literally hundreds, potentially even thousands of pet pigeons. And this began when he was a small child Mm -hmm. and basically like, uh, somebody, uh, stole one of his pigeons that he was caring for and ripped its head off and (gasps) threw it at him. It, and so Liz Green talks about having cancer being moved through trauma to actually get involved with life rather than retreating from it. And he mm. said that was his first fight. That was the first time he actually got in a fight with someone is because someone murdered one of his beloved pigeons. Something like, he cared for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that, that that kind of imagery is really, really powerful and potent uh, for me with, with cancer and whatnot as well. Oh, that's, well, oh, that's interesting. You know, cause you think about, yeah, cancers, oh, they're, they're soft, they're cuddly, they're, they're homebodies, you know, those things, those things are true, but there is that protective nature and there is a fighter inside of cancer, you know, like crabs have claws. They are, they are Absolutely. going to protect what is important to them and what they care for. Um, and so much so sometimes the, the self and its own needs can be overlooked because we're trying to uh, fight for things that we care about that are maybe outside of ourselves, uh, yeah. whether it's our children or our loved ones, or maybe even a cause that is, um, you know, is dear to your heart. And so cancers are formidable. Like they're, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and if you know one, they, they, you know, one of the tech keywords is tenacious, right? It's right. like, there's a tenacity to cancer. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a cardinal sign and, and probably why I think of waves. I love tide pools. I think that's a, that, that works yeah. so well too. Just the, the life that teams there and how rich and diverse, um, those little, those little pockets of water are, um, but yeah, just like the tides and tides that go in and come out, there's just this force of, of movement and, and being, you know, you ever got smacked in the face by a huge ass wave? Like, yes, you don't forget, you don't forget yes. that. Like there's it'll a moment you're you just on, like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it'll exactly. knock you on your ass. <laughs> it will. It'll yeah. knock you on your ass. It'll drag yeah. you under. Like yep. there are, there are, there are characteristics to cancer yeah. energy that can do that. You know, you think about like the idea of the, the mama bear or, or yeah. papa bear or, uh, any bear <laughs> that wants to care for something. Um, right. 
you know, you don't like, you do not mess with a mama bear and it's cubs. Like it will be that force of the, the big ass wave that will take you, take you down and scalp you. No, uh, (laughs) that's definitely something to remember during this season, because a lot of times we just characterize this season, this sign as like happy go lucky, you know, like family stuff. But so there may be some challenges around this season as well. You know, with with defending what is most important to you, I think like cancer is all about protecting something so that it can grow to its full potential. And I think that I feel that very, very specifically with my my daughter and like with like my projects and things like that. It's like you've got sometimes you have to shield something from the outside world so that it can grow to into its full, full form. Mm, I love that. Well, and it makes so much sense in relation to the actual cancer ingress itself uh, with the amount of Aries that is including the moon, which rules that cancer sun, which is backing it. So the idea of fighting for something that uh, that your heart is invested in or that you care for um, is... uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's <laughs> there's definitely a tenacious fighting energy that is uh, part of this particular cancer season and just the way it starts off there. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, symbolism about how are we going to individuate and how are we going to, you know, find our own personal sovereignty and how that might be clashing with the the. Uh, the people that we care about, the people that we identify with. I mean, that's one of the negative sides of cancer is a, a, a clannishism, right? Like, a, mm. like saying, this is, this is my uh, family and you, know, you are on the outside of this and I'm going to protect this with a barrier. So there may be some challenges around that too. Um, and the moon being related to the masses and the collective. I mean, this could be something where we have these collective emotions that get triggered, right? And just we've been dealing with uh, you know a lot of gun violence this this last season, and this might be there may be some things that come to the fore uh, regarding regarding that and legislation and things like that as well, where people are are really having a lot of intense discussions about protecting children, protecting families, but also people are making arguments for their personal sovereignty as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's and why Aries and Cancer square? <laughs> you know, that's the thing to think yeah. about here. Is, is it's a very activating uh, energy, but at the same time, it's in this square position, and we have a last quarter moon that is kicking off the the solstice, and um, there is that that turning of the corner and turning the page with tension and activation. And a lot of times with squares, it's like I love what. Um, Bernadette Brady says it's like with squares, it's, it's nobody's fault. Like, you know, because it can't be both. It has to be like just the way it is. It's just the way it is, you know, even through tension and stress. Um, and you kind of got to go one way or, or the other, and you can't have both. You have to make a decision. Um, yeah. So It'll, it'll be an intriguing season, uh, to say the least starting off on this uh, foot and especially in the three months that go with it. Um, and there's, uh, you know, we got a dynamic new moon that we're going to be talking about in Cancer that's going to be square Jupiter with Neptune happening to station at the yeah. same exact time, which is, uh, 
uh, interesting in itself. Um, we have moon quarters that are all, including the full moon in Capricorn, and they're all going to be in cardinal signs. And when we have moon quarters in a cardinal sign, uh, you can bet that we are in a cycle that is going to be starting, initiating, moving, uh, pivoting, going somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we also have Mercury gaining speed uh, after, you know, its whole retrograde journey that happened in, in uh, Taurus and Gemini season. Uh, so it'll be going through Gemini, Cancer, and just a tail end of Leo. Uh, Venus will be in Gemini and Cancer herself. And of course, Mars is going to be finishing up Aries and switching into Taurus, which is uh, mm. a whole story in itself uh, that's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We've got four planets, you know, at the start of this cardinal water season in, in their own home signs or their own home domiciles with Mercury and Gemini, Venus and Taurus, uh, Mars and Aries, and then, you know, Saturn and Aquarius. I mean, that's, that's a lot of uh, planets having access to their own preferred resources. And I think that you know, in general, that is not necessarily a bad thing, but what it, I think what it does is it, it, it gives a more pure expression to each individual planet. You know, Mars is more Marsy, Saturn is more Saturny, and, you know, each of them is able to kind of carry out their agenda in the way that they see fit. So it's, uh, I mean, there can be some definite tension in regards to that, because like a strong Mars could could, you know, bring a lot of separations, could bring a lot of anger, tension, violence, strong Saturn could bring a lot of separations and feelings of loneliness or exile or, or responsibility. But, you know, on the other hand, Venus could really bring us some of the, the goodies in life, right? <laughs> like maybe easier than it would in a different, a different place. Yeah. And so, and it's interesting because they're in their own signs how, I mean, there's some configurations going on, but, uh, it, it leaves them for, you know, they, I feel like there's different plot lines going on in sure. different, you know, it's like compartmentalizing different types of life into their own little pockets where, yeah, maybe I'm experiencing this nice Venusian pleasure. Uh, and I'm learning the things that I need to learn with Mercury, but I am having this anger issue over here and, and I'm feeling blocked or having some sort of like, uh, um, you know, kind of Saturn issue or authority issue over here. And so it's uh, just adding to the complexities. Um, of life, I suppose, uh, and kind of bran branching it out in, in different ways, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, before we kind of break into our transits, uh, let's just, let's just go back one more time and think about, you know, cause each season we're like, well, who becomes the focus, you know, like in, in Gemini season, it was Mercury doing its dance with, uh, being retrograde and in Taurus and Gemini and, Aries, it was Mars doing this thing, but, um, cancer season is always interesting because it's the moon. Yeah. She's all over the place. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. The moon, the moon's a, a, a timekeeper. I, I, one of the images I really like about the moon is, um, thinking about it, like, uh, the cylinder of a music box that has li these little tines on it that strike mm -hmm. the planetary keys. Um, you know, the, the, the moon moves very quickly. It changes very quickly every three days or so. It's onto a new issue, you know, onto a new sign. So it, it also has 
the qualities of waxing and waning where it gathers light and then it disseminates it out. And um, so there's these dueling themes of consumption and also nurturing. I mean, that's one of the things I like about the way, you know, one of my favorite authors, Austin Kopic, describes cancer and the moon is, you know, to nurture something, something else needs to be consumed. And that, and that, that gives you a lot to think about and a lot to meditate on, especially with this first decan of cancer that we see here um, at the solstice, um, which is Venus ruled actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the first 10 degrees of, of cancer has a Venusian quality to it where we're, you know, feeling attracted to the things that we desire emotionally, like it's a relationship decan where we may feel really like falling in love with something. And um, what I, 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 the transition from the last decan of Gemini to this one is really fascinating to me because the last decan of Gemini is a hard one. That one's like, hey, you've got too many plates spinning. It's time to make a choice. It's time to let go of some of these options to f- infuse what's most important to you into a body and nurture it. So that's, I think that I'm, I'm welcoming this transition because I'm like, you know, we've all felt overwhelmed. We're coming off this full moon as we record this, where we're just, everybody's just been going hundred miles an hour. And it's like, okay, maybe we'll finally get to like really focus on the one thing that we want to bring into fruition rather than our tension being split in all these different directions. Um, one real quick, there's a, there's a myth uh, that I like that from that transition from Gemini to cancer, it's called the myth of Ur, and it's related to choosing lots um, before an incarnation into a body where a, a soldier was given, um, you know, consciousness when he died and said, here, this, th- th- these are the lots that you could choose from. And various people were choosing um, different lives than somebody who had not experienced the challenges and the suffering of the earthly realm chose to be a dictator and then found out that eventually he'd have to consume his own children. We bring back the children thing. So it's, it's kind of about like, how can you have ethics in your choices? But now we've made the choice. Like, this is the thing we've made the choice. We say, this is the life we're going to live. Here's how we're going to bring it into its full flower mm. this season. I love that. And yeah, that's sh- that's such the interesting thing about that end decan for Gemini and going into the, the Cancerian one, and even thinking about the the majors that are behind it too. You know, moving from the lovers card of, of choice uh, and the pathway, and and going to the chariot, which is this you know kind of full speed a- ahead. Like the, it's the the train is leaving. You, <laughs> you know, you get behind get behind the reins, uh, and and uh, you know strain those horses in to the direction you want to go because um it literally is has this death birth type of energy to it you know because if we think about the ten of swords and like the finale finality that comes along with that um i want to call it like a psychic death to some extent um, yeah. and to be born into this new creative uh choice well and what are the chariots that we move through life in um what are the chariots? We- <laughs> what do our spirits move through life in? Right? Yeah. The body, right? The so body. We, we're we're like- infusing consciousness into a body. So, you know, there may be yeah. issues that come creep up too with um, physical issues th- through Cancerian too. Like how are you taking care of your, your vessel, your chariot, uh, your vehicle? Um, mm. 
you know, I've, I've noticed sometimes when I have difficult moon transits, I have weird aches and pains in various places or things of that nature. So um, that's something to get in touch with is, is how are you uh, taking care of that physical vehicle that's going to move your, your spirit and consciousness through life. Mm, I love that because when we talk about nurturing and this comes back to the whole, you know, how many times you got to tell a cancer to put your, put your oxygen mask on before you put someone else's. Um, And we think about the, the moon just being also a representative, representative of the body uh, and the food, the food for the body, the food for the soul. Um, So I feel like that's a, I think, I feel, I feel like that is a good word to the wise Spencer to pay attention to your body and your bodily rhythms. Um, because that's the thing when we're like, like notice where your energy levels are at when they dip, uh, when they're there, you know? And, And I think that's part of like, I feel like that's part of the wisdom of being a Cancerian is we learn to know when to ride the wave and when to like float with <laughs> float with it. It might take time to learn these things, but because of its kind of up and down nature. Um, Absolutely. And it's yeah. predictable. Like that's the thing about a Cancerian is, you know, yes, it may be frustrating that their moods will change, but you're going to have a pretty good idea of when, you know, with, <laughs> track the moon Two cycle. to three days. Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, try not to ask your Cancerian friends to do a ton of stuff on the balsamic moon cycle because it's, we're not full of light. Like right now you and I are, we're in full moon phase. We're just like full of energy, full of light, potentially. I don't know. Like maybe we're also exhausted from all the activity as well, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's um, learning to live uh, in lunar cycles is, is really healing and I think can be really healthy. I wish our um, collective could learn to do that a little more instead of just go, 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 drive, drive, drive all the time. We, we, I think one of the, like you were saying, the Cancerian wisdom is knowing when to act and when to rest. And, and I think that um, the moon really reflects that. Yeah. And it, yeah, the moon reflects that in, and that, uh, you know, internal, the intuition, you know, the cancer is known for the strong intuition. Um, and I think when the, we go through cancer season and the the sun is making its tour here, you know, a lot of the conscious downloads we can get are going to be intuitive ones. They could be where, uh, an image pops in front of your mind's eye and they're of a clairvoyant nature, or you have a potent dream that just speaks to you and, and it guides you one way or the other. So it, it's also, you know, we're moving into this uh, feeling state um, and we can grow as, as, as people through this more receptive, intuitive, sensitive uh, landscape. Well, think of water as you know, what, what kind of qualities does water have um, as an element? It's a solvent, right? It, it dissolves mm-hmm. things and it dissolves the boundaries between body and spirit between, I don't know, it dissolves like our physical structures. It dissolves maybe the thoughts that divide us, maybe the opinions that divide us. It brings things together. So there's a, mm. a unifying quality, I think, to water as well, wanting, wanting to, to um, return to source and to a collective oneness, I think, as well. And maybe wow. even a nostalgic yearning for it, I believe. Yes. <laughs> right. There's yeah, one of my favorite thing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of my favorite quotes. Uh, it's really just a fascinating turn of phrase um, in in the astrology of fate. Um, I believe Liz Green quotes another uh, philosopher, Eric Neumann, who calls um, 
the cancer Ouroboric incest, the, the longing to return to the womb or the primordial waters, right? So like this longing for this golden age of like, you know, what was maybe even like getting a little nervous about the future, and, you know, but it's, uh, it's all wrapped up in those, those feelings, right? And those strong, strong emotions. Yeah, that's just, and that, that could be the hard, and that's so interesting to think about as the sun journeys through the entire Zodiac, it's like, what, you know, what precedes water signs, hmm. the air signs. Right. And, and so an it's idea. always, you know, it always just, you, you dip back in to, to the feeling and the emotional state after this, this logical, reasonable, reasonable, not always reasonable, but <laughs> <laughs> rational, <laughs> rational, yeah. Yeah. Uh, rational, um, outlook or consciousness or just, uh, you know, where, where you're at. Um, and then the spirit's kind of like presiding through, and then we just, we get plunged. It's like you ever, you know, just like a cold splash of water <laughs> to, yeah. to the face, or if you dive into a pool and you do a cannonball from being like completely dry and like, there's just this submerge or this kind of like wake up, um, yeah. in a, from, in an emotional state, which for some people can be overwhelming. You know, we talked a lot about that with, um, Jupiter moving into Pisces after being, you know, being in Aquarius and kind of that big, like overwhelming water shift. Um, but I, yeah, we we experience that all the time with any planet yeah. that moves from from air to water. Yeah, it's it, it, you know practicing your self care and and you know regulating those emotions and giving them healthy outlets can be you know really vital around this period of time because you know when we get too full uh, of of those feelings, they can leak out and you know we can lash out, <laughs> we can get cranky, moody. And, you know, that's why I'm a lifelong journaler. I like to write out all my thoughts and, and feelings. And as musicians, you know that the, the music is an emotional steam mm -hmm. valve, right? And getting, mm -hmm. getting all of those uh, anxieties, fears, joys, everything, all of it just comes out in those instruments as, as vehicles for emotional expression as well. Yeah. So this is a great season to, uh, you know, pick up the instrument, pick up a paintbrush, uh, pick up, pick up the journal, uh, support, uh, yourself, support your friendships, your, uh, family members, uh, your children, if you have them. Um, because I mean, a cancer, if there's two things that cancer, a cancer likes to care for things, Hmm. Um, it likes to be needed, <laughs> uh, it, but it also likes to feel care and it likes to be appreciated. So yeah, it's <laughs> so appreciation. It's like yeah. showing appreciation, giving appreciation, uh, receiving it. It's like, this is, this is a great time for us just to be here for each other. The, the secret agreement is for cancer is I'll take care of you. If you take care of me. Like yeah. that's, that's really kind of the secret arrangement that well, we all I feel, have. I feel like that's part of the cancer Capricorn yeah. axis is it's, it, yeah. that's the, really the all scratch your back. If you scratch mine, yeah. it's like Capricorns. If you scratch mine, cancer is yeah. like, I'll scratch your back. Right. And <laughs> well, well we, we, like, if you scratch we mine. love nurturing, but we also, you know, sometimes like to be babied ourselves a little bit and, yeah. you know, I mean, I, my, my partner is an excellent chef and you mm. know, I just, I'm so grateful for that skill that, that she possesses and just feel like, 
that makes me feel loved and nurtured. And then, then I, I express my nurturing in slightly different ways, but that's, you know, it, there's always kind of a, an enjoyment of that type of exchange that we see in that two of cups card, right? In the first decade of cancers, those really beautiful emotional exchanges of, of trying to figure out what we really need at our core to, for survival and for just feeling secure and safe. And safety is another key theme that comes mm, up with yeah. cancer. Absolutely. You want you don't want no way to a cancer's heart? <laughs> it's a good meal. <laughs> yep, through your stomach. <laughs> yeah. Through the stomach. Absolutely. Uh, and a 401k. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your Capricorn moon talking. That's right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just had that conversation with my Capricorn son, daughter about like <laughs> Roth IRA savings and budgeting and all of these things. She's getting into the adult world and is uh, got really excited about our budget conversation about saving for oh, the future. Well, good for <laughs> so. her. Like it's not it's that that excitement is not within <laughs> within everybody. <laughs> no, this oh, is that's for, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but even like you bring it up, food makes it interesting. Um, cause that's the thing, you know, as we go through cancer season and food being so, so important. Um, yeah. and you know, we're in just massive inflation right now. And I don't know yeah. about you. Every time I go to the grocery store, what I'm buying, like the it's item tough. costs 40 cents more, Super like every right two now. weeks. And I'm like, one day I'm going to go to the store and it's going to be a hundred dollars for a can of pickles. Well, and we're having baby formula shortages. Oh, and, I know. You know, things like that. It's yeah. The, the basic, you know, survival needs are yes. becoming harder to attain. And with the, you know, influx of climate change, you know, a lot of our resources are, are being squandered or burned up or flooded or whatever as well. So uh, we're at a really interesting inflection point as a as a species, uh, not only just as these small communities, but as a larger community as well. I had a, a tornado scare the other night here in Michigan, and um, just reading a lot of um, articles about how that's this is something that's part of the summer season now. Uh, is you know fires, floods, tornadoes, severe weather events. Um, and I wonder what that says about our, our, you know, transition from maybe one elemental age to another or how we're doing as a collective is, is that some of our fundamental needs aren't being met. And mo you could argue that a lot of that is from the few taking more than their share and not really caring about equal distribution to the collective or, or nurturing the earth that will provide abundance if we take care of it, it will provide for us. And that's the Cancerian agreement, right? Same thing with our relationship with Gaia or Mother Earth. We take care of it, it will take care of us. But if we exhaust it, if we pillage it, it will react violently and it won't provide that sustenance and that sustaining energy anymore. And I'm trying to wrap my head around that and how we go forward um, as a collective. What do you think? I feel yeah. Right before I got on this uh, broadcast with you, I saw an article on Vice, and it, it's like baby penguins are washing up on New Zealand's shore. And I like click it, and I'm like, "There's this dead baby penguin here." And oh, penguins no. are literally like another Cancerian thing. Back to my yeah. childhood, 
Penguins are my favorite animal. Mm -hmm. So to see like this, like baby penguin and they're like, and it's not the, it's not the reason you'd think. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the reason I think (laughs) (laughs) I like clicked on the article, like just enough to like read. I'm like, don't show me more dead baby penguins. Um, but it had to talk, uh, talking about warming, um, climates, uh, drive the fish that they eat further down into the ocean. Um, so that, you know, there, it's not as, and as, uh, easy to catch them. And so they're not being able to feed their young, et cetera. Uh, and so these are all the things that come up and, uh, you know, these are just the side stories and it's not just about our own survival. It's literally about the survival of all creatures because we're all, all, you know, we forget that we're part of a, a web of life. We like to think that we are our own species and our own entity and we control, you know, the, everything around us, but, the things and what, we and what are, hubris what hubris is i that, know right? <laughs> i know we are an ecosystem we are yeah. literally part of the ecosystem um we are on the chain we are on the food chain we might be at the top of yeah. it but we're on it um and so and, and you know it's it's easy to think that we can like display uh you know kind of target the people that are in power and at the top and that hold a lot of the resources. And I do think that is a big part of the problem. Um, but it's, you know, obviously it's the system, uh, and we are all individuals and we have to, we take part in the system and some, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to break away from the system. You know, like if, if it is the vehicle that is feeding us, that is keeping us sustained, but we make that individual choice every day to live on, you know, as part of the system. And so it's, it's very complex. And, um, I feel like, you know, people love to, uh, point the finger and and blame particular things. We're all great at that. And I think there's going to be a lot of that this season, you know, with cancer, (laughs) uh, Capricorn full moon uh, near Pluto, all the Aries energy. It's like, you're the problem. You're the problem. You're the problem. This is the problem. You know, it's like there's problems have nuance. Um, And, and (laughs) and at the end of the day, you know, it's everyone's problem. And, exactly, and, and it's everyone that needs to put their pride aside, take a look at in the mirror and figure out what you can do as an individual while also putting pressure on the, on the system that is the macrocosm. It's like as above, so below, as within, so without, as micro, so macro. So I just, I, and I don't, I, I, I usually am someone who's trying to provide more comfort um, <laughs> it's hard though. It's, it's really tough. I, maybe it's the Capricorn moon that we're recording this under, but I feel <laughs> like I have to maybe sound that alarm a little bit louder than I have been in the past. And you, you remember how you talk about cancers don't start to get, don't start to fight until something that they're, that they love is threatened or through mm-hmm. trauma. I'm mm-hmm. feeling that right now. I'm feeling that this earth that I love so much, this ecosystems, these animals, these trees, these oceans, this food. I, I love it so much and it's under threat right now. And um, we really need to start fighting harder to save it. And um, and that's that comes through just talking about it more and normalizing that conversation yeah. rather than just, you know, focusing on our everyday minutiae. But that being said, you can't get yourself completely overwhelmed by the weight of the world. So you just still do have to function on a daily level, but I hope that we can bring in some of those conversations more and 
find find solutions. I, and I don't have all the answers, but I, I can recognize there's a problem, and that's more than a lot of people are willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we should be normalizing this this speech as much as we can. And you know, it's like the it's the little things that we can do uh, each day that just are better choices for right. for us, for the planet, for a, a change in the system. For you know, because it's like thinking about a, a ship that sets sail and if, you know it's on course for somewhere, but it ch- you change that compass by like two degrees, one and a half degree. It's going to end up in a totally different place by the time, you know, that it gets, you know, gets to this destination. And And so change the earth by one or two degrees and that completely changes the ecosystem. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's, uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but if you, if you just make conscious decisions, if I just make conscious decisions, if I make conscious decisions, I'll put, I thought my partner last night, I was ta- talking to, uh, we're talking about the coming uh, recession. And I was like, we need to be doing this and this and this, and we need to be, and, and I am the one who tends to spend a little bit more than sure. he does because I have a, a Jupiterian second house. He has a Saturnian second house. And he's like, can you say some I statements here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you own this? Can you say some I statements? You keep saying we, and I'm like, well, we're yeah. free. He's like, I know, but, but yeah, pers- personal you're the, responsibility yeah. is that's, that's the <laughs> toughest one, isn't it? Right. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so, um, let's make some I statements. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This cancer season. Uh, yeah. So, well, let's get into cancer season because right. we have, uh, waxed all about, um, so many things. Uh, but once again, we have our solstice on June 21st on Tuesday, and it's going to happen, um, at 10 13 AM here Pacific time, but that'll be five 13. If you're over on, uh, Eastern time, like Spencer is. So we're going to wake up basically Tuesday morning and it's going to be cancer season. Um, and so there's a couple things going on. Obviously we know that Aries, that Aries moon is going to be kicking things off. And so it's probably gonna be a lively start to cancer season, just because we got a last quarter moon square lighten up so much Aries energy. So, uh, chances are there's going to be a lot of activity, uh, uh, this week. Um, and Venus will have just trined Pluto. Hmm. Uh, so she's doing her own thing. She's just coming off that trine with Pluto, like minutes before the solstice happens. Uh, and the next day she basically moves into Gemini. So that's kind of how we start things off here. Um, so any thoughts on that, that Venus Pluto action? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, coming off, you know, in the next few weeks here at the end of our, you know, month of June, Venus is going to square Pluto or square Saturn and mm-hmm. then make that trying to Pluto. So some kind of, uh, wake up call in our relationships and in our desire nature and the way that we, you know, utilize resources is going to lead hopefully to the type of transformative change that Pluto may be asking of the system right now, like being moving through Capricorn. So maybe some of those shortages that we're experiencing at the store, inflation, things like that, with the denial of things that we want with Venus squaring Saturn, will then lead to the, the, the positive, maybe painful, but transformative changes that are necessary. And then when we move into Gemini, 
that may, after we've been renewed, potentially, um, our, our possibilities expand, right? We, we have that bifurcated awareness. We've gone through the third decan of Taurus, which is all about repentance, I guess is the word I would say. You know, it's sort of like, what went wrong? Did you learn something from it? <laughs> and how do, you, uh, how do you fix it? That's, I've learned, man, I'll tell you, I recently um, became a homeowner and all throughout you know, these planets movement through Taurus 3, everything was breaking. Like I had to, the dryer mm. stopped heating up. Like I had to fix the dryer. I, that was one of my triumphant Cancerian uh, Virgo, you know, triple planet and Virgo placement uh, victories was, was replacing the thermal fuse on my dryer, you know, like, which, was, which was a $5 part that, that saved a $500 replacement. So, yeah. so kind of giving the big middle finger to planned obsolescence is, is a rebellious act in this, in these times, right. That, that want us to, to conspicuously consume at every corner and build it into the things that we buy. So that, that might be some of what we're experiencing with Venus kind of going through that, that, those motions with um, Saturn and Pluto, and then, you know, expanding our awareness of possibilities in our relationships and in our desires moving into Gemini. Mm. That, that's an interesting point with, um, yeah, just pulling back real quick and thinking about Mercury having just gone through this whole uh, three-part trine with Pluto. And yeah. I think on the around the last uh, trine, uh, before it maybe back into Gemini, uh, there was news where in, I think it was in New York, they passed a new um, law where basically putting pressure on electronics companies like Apple mm. and they, you know, not providing parts for electronics because so that they can just, you know, so you just right. buy a new one and yeah. we, you can't fix it. So we're, just buy a new one. We're not going to give you the things you need to like keep yeah. that obsolescence. You well, know, that's the culture now, right? We have these big, like, like launch events for these, the new phone three months after the last one came out, <laughs> you know, the, the newest, the best, the brightest, and it's predatory. And it a is. lot of, you know, and a lot of the times we don't actually need it and these companies prey upon or try to prey upon our insecurities or even create them through their advertisement yeah. to make us feel less than so that we can't, you know, so that we need to buy their product to fill that hole. And uh, yeah, tech is the, is becoming the, the most manipulative. <laughs> like, so even when sometimes they think that they're, um, you think that a company might be more ethical. It's just, it's still, there's, there's a dark side to it. So so, well, yeah. there's a bottom line. They, you know, at the That's end of the true. day, a company wants to make money. That That's is the true. goal. That is the goal of all companies, unless you're a nonprofit. And even then, depending on the nonprofit, <laughs> yeah. have to see. It's about that capital. But I just thought it was interesting that you brought up that story, and I was like, "Hey, that happened around uh, Mercury Pluto too." That because um, that's going to send pressure to you know you can't have one state that has something like that. That'll that'll spread out. So yeah. that that's good news. Um, but yeah, so Venus does do this interesting thing. I, I'm curious. Uh, Gray and I were talking about this in the. Um, 2022 part two that we did last week, but uh, knowing that Venus is under so so much pressure um, with you know Venus issues like obviously you know women's rights and in bodily issues and in Roe versus Wade and stuff like that, I'm just curious if there's something that happens you know in these days leading up uh, to 
uh, before she moves into Gemini. Cause I feel like, I feel like Venus is going to get a lot louder. I feel like she's going to have some things to say. Venus yeah. has things to say in Gemini and she's, you know, she, uh, she's morning star Venus right now too, which is the yeah, warrior, the warrior goddess, right. right? And she's getting further away, I believe from the sun still, or is she coming back? I don't know if she got to that greatest elongation point, but you know, she's very visible right now. And, very visible. Uh, you know, that Sumerian uh, paradox with Venus, they thought it was two different deities on some level with the, the morning star. Um, what I'm trying to think of the word. You've got the Vespertine Venus, which is the nighttime Venus. And then what is the morning Venus? Do you remember that term? Morning it's escaping Venus. me. Mm. Well, there's a specific term for it, but no, hers you know, morning Venus. <laughs> yeah. The morning, the morning star Venus is is much more ag- aggressive and less less about unifying things and more about fighting for what they be- what she believes in, so values. Yeah. yeah, she's not she's not in her her normal sect phase. She uh, right. <laughs> she doesn't go along with the just doesn't go along with it. She's like, wait a second, hold yeah. on. I don't know. And, you know, and here she is, she's moving. It's interesting because she moves from her domicile in uh, Taurus there. See, she loses dignity, but she's got Mercury. Yeah, right. that's nice. She's got, she's got Mercury right there. So it's almost like, it's interesting. It's almost like she gains a voice because, right. uh, you know, Taurus being more of a, a mute nature, as far as like, there's, there's stillness and quiet that is there, but you know, now she's backed by Mercury and Mercury's got plenty to say in Gemini. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great time to increase your ability to, to communicate between between worlds between factions between different opinions and try to increase your flexibility when it comes to relationship talks and and you know mercury is really going to be helping in this in this case yeah i feel like it can be a lot uh, it's going to be a nice position to um just relational communication, but also communicating in a way that better understands the dualistic nature of relating and life and how like, you know, this can be true. That could be true. You know, there, it, it gives relating a little space. Um, And it depends on how you like to relate because if you're not one that likes so much space or you likes a little control or you like things to be, you know, stable, uh, there is this kind of, um, you know, things get kind of kicked up there with Venus and in, in Gemini, but I think it adds a little, uh, levity to relating too, and kind sure. of, uh, getting out and about is, uh, you know, with your significant others, uh, meeting people. It's a very, it feels like a very social, um, uh, combination, especially when Mercury is there, uh, we're just more likely to talk and connect and, and hopefully listen. Um, well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Venus in Gemini native myself and definitely, you know, words of affirmation are some of my love languages. Oh. And I really like, you know, creating connections with vastly different people, you know, like, like from all over the world or from different parts of society. That's something that I really enjoy harmonizing. So there may be a, an, an, an ability to harmonize differing viewpoints, some ones that would normally be irreconcilable, which I think is, you know, that's what we might be seeing. We're, we're seeing rumblings of that in our lawmakers in America around potentially, you know, um, gun legislation. Is there, 
there, there, there's rumblings of, of compromises that might be made as far as like actually doing something about some of these really challenging issues. And that's something that people wouldn't have imagined, you know, maybe even a few weeks ago before some of these really, really difficult tragedies we've been experiencing. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that viewpoint. Um, yeah. Making, making peace or harmony with either with alternative sides, um, and their opinions and views. And, you know, like I'm skipping ahead of myself, but she will sextile Jupiter there when we think about, uh, legislation and, uh, laws and things along, uh, those lines. So perhaps there would be some coming together or at least talk of coming together. Yeah. I don't know how much action actually (laughs) happens if it's just all, just all talk. That Um, has been kind of the MO lately, isn't it? Like, oh, we passed it in this one area of the government, but then it's, oh, sorry, we couldn't get it passed in the Senate. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's, it's, oh, we're making progress in one area, but not real progress because frustrating chain of command. Um, yeah, it is. So, well, anyways, you know, Venus, get out there, socialize, kick things up with the people that you love, go entertain yourself with, uh, you know, intellectual types of fun and pleasure, you know, going to museums or, uh, starting a book club. I feel like starting a book club (laughs) would be perfect for Venus and Gemini only because I think someone invited me to their book club like two days ago. So maybe that's why, but they were reading a horrible book and I was like, I got time for that. (laughs) I got time for that. Um, (laughs) so it actually is kind of quiet, you know, after Venus moves into, uh, Gemini on the, on the 23rd there, there's kind of, you know, the moon just moves through, uh, Taurus, you know, she's getting, uh, you know, darker and darker in phase. Um, and it's not until the 27th when we have our next planetary, uh, configuration of Mars and Aries making a sextile to Saturn in Aquarius. Um, and this is all kind of in this dark, these dark hours just before uh, we have our new moon in Cancer there. But it is interesting to think because there's in Mars's journey, there's a couple things that need to happen before uh, it leaves Aries. A, that's the sextile Saturn, but notably so, not long after is also the square to Pluto. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm it's not, not looking forward. No to one's that. looking forward. <laughs> Everyone's like, ooh. Yeah. Ah, that's um, a rough one. That, it is a rough one. one, but it, it makes me wonder if the two are connected in some way or lead up. And that's the only reason I'm kind of bringing that in, even though the, the Pluto square is going to happen on July 1st after we have our new moon. So they're in different parts of the cycle, but it does straddle this new moon energy. And there always seems to be like foreshadowing I think before the new moon, you know, in the days that precede it, there's just kind of this like liminal energy that's brewing. And so how do you view this Mars, like Mars, Aries, Saturn, Saturn's now retrograde. So there's this, it is retrograde. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that any Mars story that I've been talking about recently, you know, I've been anticipating the retrograde. Uh, later in the year, uh, in October, yes. when Mars is moving through Gemini. So there's a number of planets moving through Gemini uh, at the end of this lunar cycle 
that are going to be themes that Mars is going to, you know, kick up later in the year. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The second thing I think is this sextile between Mars and Saturn here. uh, Generally, Mars and Saturn, when they come together, there's sort of this like foot on the gas, foot on the brakes type of energy, right? (laughs) Where you, where you, this frustration, there's this bubbling of frustration, this brewing of something where you really want to move forward, but it's hitting the brick wall. But with this, this sextile relationship, Mars in the last decade of Aries is really about charisma that's necessary to win people over to your point of view. All right. Mm. So that's that four of wands card, that, that uh, Hesed energy, you know, um, it's a Venus ruled Deccan in a, in, a, in a Mars sign. So it's like, hey, can we like charm someone over to our point of view? So there might be a lot of like passionate, you know, in, inspirational speeches about how to change the collective narrative, which is Saturn retrograding, right? Yeah. Well, as the you're saying that, right, as I'm looking at the chart and it's like moon conjunct Mercury. That right, day. right. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, there that speaks to, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. speeches. Yeah, definitely have, having something to say there. And the moon will light up that position um, in uh, on the 27th. So there will be like a, a lunar activation that kind of kicks off that Mars Saturn energy. And it does have that. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of someone who's born with the square, it is very mm-hmm. gas break, gas break, gas break, or trying to do the same at the same time. And you're just squealing in place and you're like, wait, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, but and I'm which, just burning which, rubber. Which planet in your chart is in the overcoming position? Mars. Mars. Okay. Yeah. So, and so that's interesting here because Saturn is in the overcoming oh, yes. position to Mars. So you know, and that I always look at that when we have these squares, because really Saturn's in the driver's seat, even though, you know, it's retrograde, it, it is exerting that influence over Mars. It, it is technically, quote unquote, more like, I don't know, powerful, although somebody would probably argue with me because of the retrograde motion of Saturn. Um, but I do think that Saturn's um, need to slow down, need to think of the bigger picture may be forcing us to, to really kind of reconsider some of our maybe more independent initiatives because of, of a collective need that we're bound to take care of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and, and to me, you know, that's the nice thing about the sextile and the shrine between these two is that there is a question of effort, you know, because, right. um, you know, Mars is going to give us that that drive uh, to go after and, and succeed at something. And Saturn is the, you know, the long-term view of that and the plan and the strategy to some extent. Um, so there is like a consistent effort that can happen here too. But I, I like you bringing up that Saturn in the overcoming position kind of tempers that strong Mars in a sense to like, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, yeah, just, can't just like, just, act off instinct or go out after this, you know, because there, there's going to be this need to expand and move because this, this is happening under, um, you know, just a day before the new moon, that is a new moon square Jupiter. So there's just going to be yeah. this collective urge to, uh, expand and, pr- uh, 
make progress in some way because it, it's we're pushing towards that. Uh, but we need a good plan. We need a good strategy. We can't just like, you know, I think I used this term in another podcast recently that can't just blow our load. Uh, <laughs> you know, like sure. sa- Saturn's sure. like, and in retrograde, it could be an internalized process, you know, where yeah. that, that Aquarius uh, area of our chart um, is speaking to, to us in a Saturnian fashion, um, and in helping to temper, uh, and formulate, formulate perhaps, um, those, those Mars moves. So it, which is interesting because it is like preceding the idea of Mars squaring Pluto. And of course, collectively, this is something that we're all like, ah, I don't know, but in our own lives, it's intriguing to think about because if we're really in tune with where we want to make consistent effort and we're kind of internalizing that, we know we're on this cycle of progress. A lot of times the cycle of progress, uh, you know, because Jupiter is backed by Mars still, uh, that's going to require possibly deep changes or uh, purification processes or, or big moves of some sort that in order to get that that Saturn stability or that Saturn kind of contract that you got to go through Pluto's gate in order to progress there. Well, and you get the reality check. Mars gets the reality check from Mm. Saturn and then is immediately applying to Pluto there. So, you know, sometimes when you get a sober realization, (laughs) uh, it brings things up from the underworld. It brings up strong emotions. It brings up feelings. It brings up corruption that needs to be dealt with. And that that's probably the the action I see with the sextile to Saturn and then the square to Pluto is, you know, some limitations that we have to come to terms with. Some people may rebel against that. Other people may get violent. Other people may uh, have a deep catharsis around it, you know, where they're releasing long buried long repressed feelings mm-hmm. and all of those things coming to the surface uh, in a in an explosive way unfortunately i, I mars pluto is one of the, the, the those that's one of the aspects that astrology like you were saying astrologers are like there's anybody that's like oh yeah mars pluto square that's awesome it's there's some intensity intense. yeah intensity yeah. for sure it is intense. And that is something to think about too, is like, right. When we get off of that new moon, uh, basically the next day, I believe, um, on the 28th, we got the new moon and then, um, yeah, it'll be on the 30th, uh, the day before the moon will light up that, that Mars Pluto. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So Yikes. Thursday, Thursday is a part- extremely explosive on Thursday, the 30th of June. Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead of our new moon yeah. here or that we didn't talk about Neptune stationing within all this. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. that's a, that's an intriguing part of this all. And so, sure. um, well, I mean, what do you think about Neptune doing its, yeah. What's the date on that? Uh, about, Neptune? about face Neptune is on the Neptune's on the 28th. It's literally, uh, three oh, yeah. hours, Four hours before the new moon. So that 28th day, I've I've had that marked down as a pretty active day because Neptune stations retrograde, the sun squares Jupiter that day. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a sextile with Venus and, and Jupiter. And then that's the new moon. It's all happening like 
at once. It's all basically. happening. <laughs> so I, I think that you know Neptune retrograde. I mean, it, these these outer planets do this for a good portion of each year. So it's it's not like it's a super unique thing, but I do think that those being more co collective planets, from my understanding, that it is felt uh, subtly amongst the masses. And Neptune, I don't know what your experience of Neptune is, but I've had the other commiserating conversations that about Neptune feeling, having sort of a malefic nature sometimes where it just, it's supposed to be like this boundary dissolver, this maybe even this, this aspiration to transcendence. Um, I really relate to the way Robert Schmidt talked about Neptune as a transcendental moon, where it is, it's sort of related to that hermetic quality of the one thing and the one uh, mind and Neptune being the one thing and uh, Uranus being the one mind. So think about Neptune as primordial substance, like that ocean of consciousness mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier. And it, it, dissolving boundaries can be very transcendent. Like it can bring us together. It can bring us peace, but it can also be utilized by dictators that want to, you know, ethnically cleanse a nation. Do you know what I'm saying? To, to make it homogenous. And so it, it's a, it's a, a dual edged sword. And I think that Neptune in the third decan of Pisces is related to, uh, crusades. Um, they talk a lot about this in the literature around this deck and it's, it's got that, that, that beautiful rainbow 10 of cups energy, right? This, this, uh, very idealistic energy, but what's hidden beneath that is the wild swings of emotion and saying it's a Mars world deck in, in the descending Chaldean order. So it's like, what are you willing to sacrifice for your, for your dream? And we may have to review the dream a little bit with Neptune moving backwards. Um, anytime I get Neptune contacts in my chart, like with a personal planet, I just feel like melting into a puddle on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you feel this. <laughs> but uh, Oh, ne Neptune has uh, washed away some of my hardest uh, yeah. efforts. Um, uh, although it was combined when, pl with Pluto transits while I was experiencing both. So, uh, that was just my lot at that particular time in my life. But, yeah. um, Neptune's a tricky planet. I mean, and it's yes. known to be such, and, and some people consider it, uh, I've heard certain astrologers say that it's the, it is the most difficult pl planet because of it, it, it's, um, illusory nature. Like it's hard to put a finger on it. You know, it, it, it rules things like, uh, you know, glamour and, and spectacle. And when we're just, right. it, you know, enthralled with something that we see and we're mesmerized, you know, this right. is a Neptunian characteristic. Uh, Neptune is associated with grief, you yeah. know, when it brings us to the, this bottomless pit of pain and suffering, um, that certain situations in life can, and can bring to the, to the forefront. Um, it has the miraculous nature where it's like, you, you know, you, you hear these stories of my guardian angel came out and just saved me from the, the depth. I was drowning in the depths of something. And all of a sudden the, the miracles came about. And I've seen that, like, I've seen people going through Neptune transits and they're having people on, um, like the edge of life, like about to like, you think they would die. And all of a sudden they make a miraculous comeback. Nice. And they, you know, like it, it's really hard to put a finger on. Um, but what I think is fascinating about 
Neptune just having a station at the time of this new moon and it being a new moon that is so tied up, like almost exactly into that square with Jupiter is the one thing that we think about Neptune recently is the Jupiter-Neptune square. So it's kind of, or that square, excuse me, conjunction. And so Jupiter having this, this grand move of sorts with the luminaries uh, for the first time in um, Aries, uh, backed by Neptune kind of doing its, you know, backwards motion. It's like, they're not in the same sign anymore, but there is still this connection that they made and Jupiter will be going back into Pisces. And, and, and maybe so. Neptune retrograding is the stripping of illusion of saying, you know, mm-hmm. we really got blinded by the glamour of, you know, they, they, they used to associate Neptune with like film and, yeah. and photography and the movie industry. And really what it is, is a, they're glamorous lies because it's not reality. Right. So, um, and that's a very negative take on it, but it, it, maybe there is this something where we, we put our, our hope into that we're reviewing now that says, well, what is the reality of this? What is the, um, you know, are we, are we being blinded by what we wish was true rather than what is true? Is true. Well, and that right? speaks exactly to what you brought up with the Mars Saturn sextile that happens yeah. the day before, you know, the idea of the reality check kind of coming in, um, yeah. and the dispelling of, uh, of illusion in, in some sense or where the illusion bubbles up. And then it recedes, you know, you know, like when you're like on the road and you see a mirage in front of you. And as you get closer, all of a sudden it disappears. And it's like, I feel like the, the you're still thirsty. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like it, it, it could almost be something like that where it just kind of recedes and turns and, and then poof, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but it is to go back to what you were saying earlier about all these kind of Mars precursors, because Mars is going to be intricately aligned with Neptune later in the year with its station. And so all these Neptune moves can, especially Mars sextiling Saturn and about to square Pluto, even though it's not in contact with Neptune, you know, there's, it's interesting that there's action from both planets who are going to be very active with each other later, later in the year. Absolutely. Meta cycles. Yeah. Well, what do you think about old Venus kind of mm-hmm. tapping in doing a tap dance sextile? For yeah, that's, I mean, that's a nice, that's a nice aspect here that we have the, the, the Venus Jupiter sextile. Um, and you know, honestly, the square to this new moon at seven degrees of cancer from Jupiter in Aries, I don't necessarily see that as a super negative square either, because that's Jupiter in the overcoming position, which in traditional astrology was actually fairly fortunate. So I, I think that there still might be a little bit of tension between the two luminaries in Cancer and, and Aries, as far as like this desire to individuate, this desire to start something new, to pioneer something, and how that might affect the people that we care about. I mean, that could mm-hmm. be part of it. Like we were really excited about something new, but maybe it changes the arrangements and the relationships and, and how we nurture one another. And that could take some, some tact and excuse me, navigation. And I think Venus and Gemini could help with that, help have those positive conversations about, Hey, what is our new reality? Because seven degrees of cancer is on a fixed star called Mirzum. And that's the star that comes 
it was called the announcer star, which comes mm. before Sirius, which is, is the, the, one of the most important fixed stars to the ancient Egyptians, because it, that was the announcing of when, when Sirius came back, that's when the river Nile Valley would, or the Nile River Valley would flood and fertility would return to the land. So there may be something that comes out that's this big announcement that we really have to process. Maybe it's in our personal life. Maybe it's in the collective. It's probably going to be both. Um, that is b- before something much more significant that is is yet to come. Hmm. It's interesting. Are you ta- are we talking about like uh, having those Jupiter Venus conversations? It's like Venus is is like let me tell let me tell you about something. Let me tell you about the plan. <laughs> let me tell you right. let me tell you about how we're going to progress. Let me just yeah. and then Mars and Pluto is like, but there's all this that lies yeah. underneath, you know. <laughs> Like, yep. uh, yeah, Venus is going to sweet talk into the change, but really it's all, you know, Jupiter is backed by this Mars about to square Pluto. And so it's, um, it's, uh, you, you, well, it's almost like you might have to sweet, not sweet talk it, but you know what I mean? Use I mean, words I think, cleverly. <laughs> I, I would, I would say it's like this, no, and I'm, I'm just looking at this and kind of thinking about this a little more, whatever new change we might want to initiate with the new moon with the Venus Jupiter sextile and Jupiter squaring, you know, the, the lunation, um, we may be tempted to use forceful, you know, nefarious means to get what we want, right? When Mars and, and Pluto come together, oftentimes that's kind of like the, you know, the Al Capone aspect, right? Where it's like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna do this thing, but it's gonna be like in this organized, violent, you know, chaotic underworld you know, organized crime type of way. So I would, I would encourage everyone out there to, even though you may have strong desires to make a new start with Jupiter and Aries and, and Mars and Aries, make sure to, to stay above board and to be true to your integrity, because eventually if you are outside of your integrity, those things will be uncovered and, and it can cause more problems than solutions in your life. Yeah. More more problems and solutions. We don't want yeah. don't want that. Well, what what a way to start the Cancer Lunar Cycle. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is the the seeding event for the next twenty eight days. <laughs> the twenty eighth, um, and why I think it's going to be an, an important cycle, and especially yeah. and it's kind of the back to back, you know, uh, with the Leo one that comes not too you know, afterwards it's, it's going to be trining Jupiter and, uh, there's going to be some serious things going on in that chart too. So there's kind of, it's almost like a cancer and Leo. Um, and as we know, what's coming down the pipeline in Leo season, uh, they're kind of, these are back-to-back seasons that have a lot of big energy to them, but it really feels like this is kind of the, the kickoff event to that. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, and so basically on the first there, that is when Mars is going to officially, uh, square Pluto on Friday, July 1st. Um, so, uh, you know, there, and I think it's going to be a little bit more of the 30th just because that is when, um, that moon and cancer is going to make a T-square with those planets. So even though it happens on Friday, you know, if you're looking for new cycles and you want to see the action, chances are we're going to, we're going to have things kick up then. And then even the trine later, uh, 
in from Leo and get that fiery energy kicking through on July 4th weekend yeah. here in the US, you know, on, on the second, uh, there's kind of like this elongated activation of this energy. So, you know, just be cautious out there and, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't fly off the handle with not knowing what you're dealing with. It's, this this is the last day you're going to want to uh, get in a, in a fight on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. challenge people that you don't know right. who they are or even challenge people that you do know who they are that could be a little bit of a loose cannon. Like it's just one of those these times where, you know, and this is something stay in that, your lane. <laughs> this is something to think about with cancer too is some of the, the, the shyness that maybe somebody would ascribe to a cancerian some of it's self-preservation. Um, I think that a lot of the times when, when we are too loud about you know, our opinions or whatnot, that can attract the type of attention that could put us in a dangerous or threatening situation. And by being modest, by being un, un, unassuming, you know, unobtrusive, sometimes that can actually lead to being safer. Um, and it's getting a little wild out there. I have to admit there's some, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer today, but there's a, I'm feeling a lot of strong emotions about what's going on in the collective with our collective traumas, with our collective, you know, weather cycles and stuff like that. And I think that a lot of our work in the next month ahead is how do we take care of our mental health? How do we take care of our bodies? How do we take care of our community when we're facing these pressures, these collective pressures? And the pressures get more intense when we have things like recession, things get more expensive when people are housing insecure, whether they're facing natural disasters or things of that nature. So recognize that I would say to people, you're not alone. If you're feeling that way, Mm. We're, we're all going through quite a bit right now. And just try to give both yourself and the people around you some extra grace because it's going around. Absolutely. hundred percent back that advice. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about the way you brought up weather and I'm just looking at it. I'm like, Oh, this seems like a pretty volatile weather cycle. (laughs) Just thinking about like Neptune stationing and, and, you know, a cardinal water moon squaring Jupiter. Uh, and that Mars, Pluto, it's like, there is a chance for extreme weather events to happen. Yeah. And there already, already are happening, you know, look at what's happening in uh, Yellowstone right now. And over in yeah. your neck of the woods, you know, tornadoes just bl- blowing through, uh, just at the drop of a hat and you, you don't know. So yeah, stay, stay on the lookout for that. There seems to be the vigilance. Uh, well, vigilance <laughs> is important here. because yeah. I will say that our experience earlier this week, and I think I'm still coming off some of the stress of that, is that I got an email from the electric company saying, there's a huge storm coming your way in about three hours. And there's 70 mile an hour winds coming. Prepare three accord- hours. Yeah, yeah. Prepare <laughs> accordingly. So, and so what we did is we just like moved all the things off the porch. We like got all of our emergency supplies ready to go. You know, we, we, we had a plan for if we we're going to pack our cats up to go into the basement and things like that. I talked to my neighbors in my community and said, hey, this weather event is coming. Are you prepared? And they weren't. <laughs> so they were gr- grateful that we were kind of like giving them the heads up type of thing. And th- those are the types of things that you can do is can help your neighbor out if they if they need those type of emergency preparedness plans 
Now, luckily for us at this house, that storm went 10 miles south of us and we were spared the absolute worst of us. That being said, a friend of mine who their, their neighbor, 10 miles south of us, their house was struck by lightning and went up in flames and completely burned to the ground. So like, you know, it's, it's, it hits close to home. And I had friends in Chicago over the weekend who there were multiple trees that were just rooted absolutely just right out of the ground. And I think that that's really shocked me awake. I think that a lot of the, those things, when you see them, like, for example, you live in California, wildfires to the Midwesterners are they're they're sort of real, but they're sort of like this theoretical thing that they don't have to deal with every day, right? Although I will say in the last couple of years, I've seen the sun in the Midwest being uh, blocked out by smoke from the West Coast, showing us how connected we really are. Yeah. But ha- just having a plan, having conversations with your family, your friends, your neighbors, because these extreme weather events, these extreme social events are going to start to become more regular and especially in the summer seasons where we you know in this country and and in the world um and it's not just exclusively to the west coast with fires the east coast with hurricanes and flooding even if you live in central you know part of america here you know the, the there's changes happening and scientists have been warning these alarm bells for a long time um, but now th- this is sort of the chickens coming home to roost and we just have to adjust. This is what's great about human beings is we've survived this long because of how flexible we are and how intelligent we can be when we work together for solutions. So I think that instead of becoming just really freaked out about it, a good amount of what you said, vigilance and preparedness is super important. And I say that completely from love in the way of not wanting people to get hurt or get stuck in a dangerous situation. So this is my Cancerian mother bear <laughs> coming out trying to say, please, please be prepared and take care of yourself because there is some, there is some dangers around right now. That, that, that is like the, think of a, a bird in the woods that is part of a flock that is, you could hear them when there's a predator around, like the, the alarm call is being s- sounded. And I think that's the stage that we're at, unfortunately, is the alarm calls need to be sounded. And as long as we're prepared, we can, we can adjust. But if we get caught unprepared, that's when the suffering is most intense. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, part of the lesson of Uranus and Taurus. It's like, yeah, you want, we want to stay comfortable. Yeah. You know, and in cancer, you want to cling, you want to cling to what you know, you want to cling to what's familiar. Um, but in this vastly changing landscape. Um, or pretend that it isn't happening. <laughs> I just tuck back into my shell. Yep. None, of this will, none of this will happen. That's a Cancerian uh, thing too. It's just be yeah. like, nope, nothing to see here. La, 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 fingers in the ears. That's why if I'm saying this stuff, this is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> become the two like if us Cancerians yeah. are like saying, hey, wake up, <laughs> like you know something's really wrong because most of the time we'd rather just be like, in our own happy sacred sanctuaries, reading our books, eating our food and petting our cats, (laughs) you know? So, but that experience to me was the the weather came to me. What the experience was is that your home was threatened. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, and that's, that's cancer in a nutshell, right? We could ignore everything around us until our things that we care about are threatened. And And that's exactly what I'm talking about today is 
my family, my pets, my house was under threat. Your then, newly acquired house. <laughs> right, exactly. Just bought this house and I don't want to blow it to blow down three weeks after we purchased it. So, so yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's something with, you know, us as a country too, is we, we tend to ignore problems in other parts of the world until it actually affects us too, with this like radical isolationism that we've been raised on for centuries now. And, and it's becoming quite apparent that we Again, we are so connected that we can't escape these interconnected web of life relationships. And what happens somewhere else, what happens in Ukraine, what happens in Russia does have an effect here at home. What happens in Africa or Asia or all of these other places, we're going to feel it now. And that's, I think, what the, the, one of the main lessons of that Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that we saw in Aquarius when, that we talked about is, is that recognizing that we are part of a, a one world here. And the pandemic, I think, taught us that too, where, hey, you know what? If something originates in this other country, it's going to find you. <laughs> like It's going to, it can travel over, across borders, across oceans, across, you know, a room. So it's, it's really making me change just my thought processes on a lot of things. And I think that the, the real challenge is, that we have as astrologers now is how do we help people through this new reality? How do we help them find meaning in this new reality? And it's not necessarily how do we help them find comfort. It's how do we help them find meaning and so that they can answer the call to whatever they need to do and whatever role they need to have within this new reality. Ah, ain't that the truth? Right? It's a lot. It's a lot to be living right now. It's a time, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it is, it is crazy because if we, if if any of us were plopped back down into anywhere on this planet, maybe five hundred years ago, we'd be like, ah, what the, you know, <laughs> right, right. like it'd probably be much tougher than this. Sure, sure. But we have cultivated our landscape to be so accommodating in many ways that as people. <laughs> well, and you can get nostalgic yeah. for those other times too. I, I'm guilty of, I've been watching Stranger Things. Are you a Stranger Things fan? I, I, I am. <laughs> I just started the first episode, so no well, spoilers. Okay, or not the first I'll, episode, I'll try. but the first of the fourth season. Okay. <laughs> well, well, what I'll say without spoiling anything is that it's, it's, you know, it's getting bad when you're nostalgic for like the mid eighties I and, know. A and a town but that's being haunted by a demon. <laughs> you know? like, you're like, that looks fine. That looks better. You know? <laughs> honestly, I know. I feel you right? because it's like this. I had a I had a moment maybe about a decade ago where I was angry yeah. for growing up in the 80s because I yeah. felt like I was lied to. Like yeah. I I grew yeah. up on like just 100%. lies of, yep. uh, you know, this, uh, of, of life of the, the world of this country. Of nine, like nine 11 was the big watershed moment for me, really. You know, that was the huge wake up call from all yeah. those lies that you're experiencing. Yeah. Go ahead. But, sorry, no, no, I just, I just feel like, so it's interesting that that being 
a cornerstone cornerstone piece of nostalgia right now. Uh, you know, Stranger Things. And I love that. Yeah, we'll take. We'll, we let's go back to the eighties. Yeah, we'll deal with the demon. We already understand the demon. <laughs> yeah, the demon's right? here. But maybe you know, I could long for this place that I used to know or this familiarity. Um, you know, to some extent, that's really funny. So, anyways, yeah. we're we're tangenting off here, but. No, we're nostalgiaing out. We're, like we're nostalgiaing out, uh, which can happen during cancer season. You got to sure. find yourself there. You know, you might want to get back in with your favorite foods. You're like, oh, I haven't had this dish in a little bit long time. Yeah. Or my mom used to make this when I was a kid. Or a childhood friend shows up and you catch up, etc. But I think we were got into this because we were talking about um, weather for a hot second, um, and the you know this new moon that's kind of got a lot of interesting signatures. Uh, but what's fascinating too, is after this Mars Pluto square on July 1st, it's like the next day, Mercury is, Mercury is activating this fascinating configuration that just happens to be going on right now with any planets traveling through Venus, Venus, sorry, Taurus and Gemini is this, mm-hmm. this square, uh, this, this Neptune Saturn lineup. So here we have Mercury who's going to square Neptune, but trine Saturn, uh, which is funny because I'm pretty sure as we speak, uh, Spencer and I here today, the sun is in this exact configuration. Um, and so they're, you know, Mercury trine Saturn, you know, I feel like here's a, a solid plan coming to the forefront or our minds are in this logical, reasonable, reasonable space. And, you know, we kind of have this foresight, but then there's the squared Neptune and there's, so, so what do you, what do you take from the, this matchup of uh, two totally different planets? Yeah. You know, I think that Mercury or Hermes is that rational mind it is the thought process it's any it moves between worlds it's trying to question things it casts doubt on things um and when it's matching up with neptune here a lot of our thoughts can you know go very far afield you know like off to these places <laughs> that they wouldn't normally go to like like and mercury already has a tendency to do that so it could be just this very like I don't know. Our, our mind's just really going off into left field here. And maybe this is happening with the sun square Neptune too. Maybe, maybe Spencer's just a little shaken up by the tornado. <laughs> that came by yeah. his house, so. And rightfully so. Yeah. Well, that's why I was thinking uh, about weather patterns too, yeah. because, you know, we think about Mercury and like any type of alerts coming out right. with right. a square to Neptune and a trine to Saturn. Like, I, I feel like this could be a, uh, yeah, but those, just, those decans, you know, the, the last decan of Gemini, is really about choice and it's really about saying hey something has to die so something else can live it's it's really the story of those two twins castor and pollux where one was mortal and one was immortal and one of them died in a battle with another set of twins and the immortal twin petitioned uh zeus to allow them to to split time on olympus and in hades so it's kind of i go back to transition between Gemini and Cancer, where you have so many pathways that you could pursue, but you have to eventually let go of one of them so that you can breathe life into what's really important to you. And that may be a moment here with the Mercury area of our chart, the Gemini and Virgo areas of our chart that Mercury rules. We may be having to let go of an illusion to breathe life into something that that we 
people are really passionate about that we're truly passionate about. And let me just also preface all the things I've been saying today is really the answer, the, the, the best answer I can come up with for getting through some of this is just gratitude. You know, just like really being in the moment, enjoying the moment and, and having, you have to have a long-term viewpoint but just having gratitude for the people that you have in your life and learning that the time is fleeting and, and things of that nature. Um, yeah, this is something else I've been kind of going through a lot with a lot of transitions in my life recently is just appreciating what we have as well, rather than always desiring the things that we don't. And that may be part of the Mercury Neptune uh, square too, as we may have these desires for things that are maybe slightly unattainable and we're always wishing we something would be greener on the on the other side or the grass would be greener yeah it always looks greener then someone's on that grass and they think that grass looks greener and then that that person's grass looks greener than their grass and like it's it's a vicious cycle of of grass is greener uh because it's a you know no nobody's happy in the place they're in. No, that's not true. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, but a maybe lot of it us is, struggle though. with that. I, I think it is true on some level. Yeah. I think everybody has a little bit of a sense of dissatisfaction with, with their life. It's in some area of their life. Um, but the, but the gratitude is a discipline. It's not just something that comes naturally all the time. It's something that you have to choose over and over and over again. And it, it, it really is something that it takes effort, um, especially when we're inundated with all of this macrocosm uh, challenge, scarcity, tragedy, is how can you choose to refocus and reshift to what you can control, what you do have agency over, and be grateful for that. And it's just a shift of focus a little bit. And granted, I've been focusing on the macrocosm things, but that's why I wanted to bring a little bit of balance to that um, <laughs> when I was talking today, too. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that that Mercury is going to give us the final set of um, information and and facts that we need to make a choice before we move forward from that that square. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think that it, it kind of comes with the wake up call that we were talking about earlier that just happens a few days before this. It's like it's like, it's going to give us the facts. It's going to give us the things we need. Uh, there could be some bitter truths in there. There could be some, there could be some yeah. slight bitter pills, but, it, but then it challenges the illusion. It challenges the ideal. It challenges the way we would prefer to see things as they, rather than they really are. Like you were just bringing that up. So it's like, yeah. Mercury th- asks great questions. It asks great questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sorry. So no, that's uh yeah, I think that's, that could be, uh, just part of that shift that takes place. And, um, yeah, so, and it's interesting too, because it's almost like what we're going through right now, like as Spencer and I speaks today on, uh, the 15th of June, as the sun lights us up. And this is the beauty of Mercury in its phase that it's in because the sun, uh, leads the way through these transits before Mercury can get there. And so it's almost like we've already had, you know, the, the solar influence and, and the, in the consciousness, um, and something being brought to light and it's having mercury follow this up. That's where that information and the specifics can come in afterwards. So chances are it's playing uh, on a story that's already been developed anyways. And, and just the right information then comes in. Um, and then not too long after, uh, on the, uh, on July 4th, 
actually July 4th and July 5th, about well, on our Independence Day. One thing mm-hmm. before we go to there on the 3rd, speaking of Mercury, sorry, this I even wrote this on my notes. <laughs> Mercury is going to go under the beams of the sun right at that moment that it's squaring Neptune. So mm. it's going to disappear from visibility and sort of like returning to the Earth or returning to Olympus, one, one of the two. Uh, to, to deliver a message maybe behind the scenes, you know, because in that superior conjunction phase, uh, I've talked to De- uh, Gary Caton about this. So I, 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 he, he's the Mercury expert, the Hermes expert. And I wanted to know when was Hermes in the underworld as the psychopomp guide of souls? And he said, usually during the retrograde hidden phase, right? Where it's it's not visible, making the retrograde inferior conjunction. And then it's visiting maybe Olympus and bringing something from maybe the higher realms back to the earth. So that may be what we're experiencing here too, is maybe the, the contact with Mercury and Neptune is receiving a message from these other realms about an illusion that we have to let go of, and then bringing it back to our conscious awareness with the Mercury's connection with the sun later at the Kazemi moment. Yeah, and the Kazemi moments is very potent, this particular one, yeah. and spe- well, especially in relation to the United States chart, which uh, Gray and I yeah. talked about on last, last program. So uh, there is something to be said about this moment for sure. Um, and so, you know, Mercury's speeding along here. It's like July 3rd that happens, and what, the next, pretty much the next day, um, on, uh, July 4th, or at least late in the day, uh, we have two things happening that are kind of carrying over July 4th to July 5th. And that's the simultaneous ingress of Mm. Mercury into cancer, Mars into Taurus, and then the two of them sextiling basically as that at, at right as that happens. Um, and so, Mars moving into Taurus is definitely some some funky. big news here. Yeah, uh, did you say clunky? F- funky, funky, <laughs> like, yeah. funky. Got to make sense. Clunky uh, too. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that they sextile at zero degrees in zero minutes. Like wow. they like it crosses over and they're like, bing. Yeah. Um, and that is on. I guess it's it's it's. 30 minutes before midnight here on July 4th on the Pacific wow. coast, but it'll be in the middle of the night over in, uh, on the Eastern side. Just be careful. Um, be careful when you're shooting off your fireworks. With, exact, well, you know, yeah, because Mars, Mars at the, at the last degree, degree yeah. of Aries on Blow the day of fireworks <laughs> sounds <Yeah>. explosive. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So you, everybody be careful out there yeah. with it. And I am just fireworks. Careful around yeah. that barbecue. Yep. You know, like don't put on too much. Don't get overzealous with that. Uh, <laughs> Anything with fire, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with fire, absolutely. Yep. Be careful there. Um, but it and, does and, have a, yeah. And I will mm-hmm. say too, Mercury, when, when it's making its superior conjunction, like we're seeing, Mercury is moving super, super fast. So our brains might be moving a little bit faster than they should be. So we may be feeling a little bit rushing, like we're rushing through things and like we're, going from one thing to the next, especially with Mercury in the last degrees of Gemini. 
I could see what could happen on like July 4th. Here's just an imaginary tragedy. <laughs> an imaginary tragedy. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, this is, this is just so, you know, a warning though, because people, maybe people will recognize themselves. <laughs> Imagine you have someone over for the summer barbecue and you're, you're trying to have a conversation with Uncle Bob or Uncle Jim over here. Aunt, Aunt Susie's over there, like, you know, trying to do something with the kids and you're trying to do something on the grill and you're getting distracted and, and you just, your attention is split in so many different directions that you don't realize that there's a grease fire that just started on your grill and, you know, is going to burn you all the hair off your arm if you aren't paying attention. So it's, it's more about staying focused, not letting your attention get split in too many directions, especially when you're dealing with things like fireworks, you know, barbecue grills, uh, anything like that. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, cause it's, it's so interesting. Cause you think it might be a square, but it's like the mercury and, uh, Mars in that sextile position. It's like, yeah. it's like an easy transmission of fire. Yep. You know, because Mercury is essentially just here. Let me carry that over to you. Let me make, right. <laughs> let me finish that transaction for you. Yeah. And Mars is like, thank you. I've been, I've been trying well, to light this place up all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and there's fuel for the fire with Mercury in in, in an air, air sign, sign. Right? yeah, See? yeah. So and, and it's like, and, uh, well, and that's comes down to conversations, right? Yeah. You don't get in that. It, yes. I feel very lively conversations Explosive will be conversations. happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah. And that last degree of any sign is, is very powerful. And when Mars is in the last degree of a sign, it can be extra spicy. So <laughs> in the last degree of its own sign, own sign, super spiciest, spicy. It's spiciest. like the ghost pepper of Mars. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. So, so that could, that could apply to the chili that you bring to the barbecue too. Yes, <laughs> Go yeah. easy on the spices. Spices. Yes. So I, I want to tell you, Mel, like <laughs> one, one stupid story. <laughs> like This is a funny one, I think, but I, I, on the Venus Uranus conjunction, not too long ago, uh, I, I had this hankering for this this chicken sandwich that I'd been eyeing that did just returned to my favorite restaurant, and it's called the Jerk. <laughs> Basically, it's this spicy Caribbean jerk chicken sandwich, and I was like, I'm getting that. And, and with our sensitive Cancerian stomachs, it was way more than I bargained for. It was delicious, but it was like, oh boy, <laughs> that's way more than we bargained for. So you may get more than you bargained for with with Mars here, <laughs> like, and that could be way more dangerous than getting way more than you bargained for with a Venus Uranus conjunction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It all it, it seemed like a good idea <laughs> under twenty nine degrees Aries, yeah, but it got yeah, to zero go. degrees Taurus, and you're like, yeah. wait a second, yep. this don't feel right. <laughs> yes. This isn't comfortable. Um, yeah. So, you know, Mercury, Mercury's going to chill out a little bit. It, I mean, it's going to chill out. It's not because like you said, it's still moving fast speeds. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's really fast, it really fast speeds. Um, but it is in, you know, Mercury and cancer. It does. You have, don't you have Mercury? You have Mercury. And cancer, I do. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. 22 that, cancer retrograde. That moon backed. Yeah. Mercury, because we got to yeah. realize any planet that's in Cancer, it's got a moon backing. It's got those ups and downs. It's you know yeah. we're back to the ebb and flow and the fluctuation. Um, so there's uh, and you know Mercury and Cancer can be a, a a little subjective because of that you know because it has <laughs> you know that that moon bias that goes behind it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Little, especially with uh, you know you get 
a tornado 10 miles south of you subjectively the world is coming to an yes, end it's ending <laughs> so, this is it so, oh so to take a little bit of what i say today with a grain of salt but also you know there's i think there is some objective truth in there also but yes my mercury is definitely uh, emotionally impacted when i'm yeah. feeling strong emotions i'll, I'll own it <laughs> intuitively impacted yeah. too, because that's yeah. the thing. It's like the feelings and the emotions come in, but so do the, the, the you know, the knowings that you can't necessarily explain sure, or just feel. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's not so, just my, my own experience. It's observing, you know, an increase in the collective kind of things right now too. So as cancers, we are, I do think we are not uniquely, but we are tapped in strongly into the, the collective vibe the zeitgeist you know what i'm saying i I think i feel like we feel the currents that's one thing about the crab it's a very sensitive creature because it's a prey animal and it there's all sorts of threats that want to eat it you know on the shore so it has to be able to be aware of danger at every at every turn so there's some sensitivity to those things in the collective like oh that feels that feels off to me and you you know and those those things are just getting louder to my little cancerian antennas lately. Um, so take, take that what you, what you will from that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Mars and Taurus because this is, this is a big, this is big news. Um, I mean, it is really the last sign before it makes it stop to Gemini, which is going to be forever. Um, but while Mars is in Taurus, it is kicking up some dust. It is like, Mm. it's like, I am going to rock your Taurian world. You know, what did, what did the eclipses look like for you? Uh, well, let me activate them. Yeah. So, you know, Mars in Taurus is, is considered a place of its detriment uh, right. because of the opposition from its placement of uh, where it's in domicile and Mars in Scorpio. So it's one of those places where Mars loses its most dignity right away, right? You yeah. know, it's moving from this, it's blazing along in Aries. It's like, I'm living the hot life. And then all of a sudden it gets into Taurus. It's like, excuse me? You want, I mean, you want to slow down? You want to, you know... Uh, like it's, I'm, it, it's not it that energy. <laughs> yeah, it disrupts our routines. I, mm. I think that that Taurus in general is a fixed Earth sign. They want things predictable. You know, th- whenever something's moving through Taurus, like oh, this, I want to stabilize this. I want to enjoy the Venusian delights. And Mars is here taking a machete to those things, to your routines, to the material resources, and saying. Oh, you're comfortable? Well, sorry. One day you're not going to have any energy. Some other day you're going to want to do everything all at once. So the challenge with Mars and Taurus is how can you find uh, the the ability to pace yourself correctly? Mm. You know, because that, especially when it's matching up to with Uranus later on is our routines are going to get shaken up by something. And how can you try to find the routine that will work for you and get maybe even the positive thing is this could bust us out of a rut that we may have been experiencing. Yeah, as it, you know. absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that is a big, that is, that is a big signature of what Mars's uh, whole journey in Taurus is as a, you know, cause it, essentially kind of what, uh, 
Spencer and I are alluding to of like what what Mars is doing here is like first it's going to activate the eclipse degree, but mm-hmm. the late, late July, early August, it's going to make a conjunction with Uranus in the North Node all at the same time, yeah. and that's an incredibly disruptive signature. You know, we're talking about we were talking about our apprehension with Mars and Pluto earlier. Well, you know, <laughs> bring yeah. Mars, Uranus, and throw in the North Node there. You know, okay. we we're we're cooking with some serious <laughs> serious gas here. Um, But I love looking at the idea of, you know, what's been stuck in the, because this is like a, this is a really dislodging, right? You know, Mars will, and Uranus together, it's going to violently disrupt in the service of, uh, you know, evolution or what needs to be experienced with that north node there and and i something's been dislodged already right because we've had the solar eclipse there we had a lunar eclipse at least you know activating the solar side of things and so it's you know i liked uh when i I had jared on uh for gemini season Nice. And uh, he was talking about how Venus, when Venus got into Taurus and she, you know, Norma, she'd be like, I'm home, I'm back. And she's like, and she, he was saying like, uh, it's like coming back home and you realized your kid had like a crazy party and like everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, the eclipse had this crazy yeah. party and all of a sudden you have this uh, totally disrupted uh, sanctuary. And it's like, to me, it's like that was experienced there. And then Mars is going to come along and be like, okay, now we are fully dismantling (laughs) um, this place. But if you're stuck, this could be the best thing that ever happened to you. And sometimes like the things that are like, get us out of our comfort zones, um, even though it's really disruptive and we might cling to it at first, like how many times are people like, ah, it was, it was really the best thing that ever happened to me. I needed to warm up to it, but like, I really needed that change. And it's not as crazy, you know, five years down the line, because you're like, if that hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have done this. And I wouldn't have done that. And I wouldn't have done that. Wow. And to me, my, it my subjective that. Mercury is also being <laughs> like, pray for me because my moon is right within three degrees oh, of Christ. this. Mars, well, Uranus, <laughs> like conjunction. It's like, on my ascendant descendant. Yeah, I, yeah, so yeah. I feel you. I'm like, pray, <laughs> do pray for me. Absolutely. At, at the end uh, of the day, like the, my Taurus moon is just like, hmm, no, change. No, thanks. <laughs> like, I'll just do what I've been doing. That'd be fine. No, but you're right. Like sometimes we don't know what has been uh, a weight that we've been carrying for so long. Um, we just get used to it. And this is the Taurus way. Uh, my dad's a Taurus rising and he could endure all sorts of ch- challenging, painful things and just go about it with a smile. And it's like, why are you putting up with that? And I, I sort of inherited a little bit of that from him. And th- there's times when you realize when that weight is finally lifted, you're like, oh my God, I've been carrying that burden for so long of this, just because that was what I was used to. And it, 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 you know, that, that's where it's good to get things shaken up. I mean, you know, we talk about detriment and being in domicile exaltation, but ultimately all of this is some, if you believe in, you know, the cosmic unity, all of this is part of a divine plan. And each of these planets in the different signs has its role to play. So we do need sometimes to get shaken up from the routines. We do need to reevaluate what we consider security and how we support ourselves and be motivated enough maybe by challenges 
to do something different than we've normally done in the past. Absolutely. It's, um, I mean, it's essentially, uh, at, le- at least the combo that's coming, it's catalytic energy, you know? Yeah. Um, and the catalyst leads us, leads us somewhere else. Like we need that, uh, you know, cause Mars is starting the fire wherever it goes. It's always starting the fire, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's starting a, it's starting a fire under something that is very set, um, very rooted in, but not so much because we've already had shakeups in this area. So I, and, but also why it can be so like dramatic and what it actually ends up creating just because it's not like a full on explosion of like this, this just changes like this. And it's like this, it's like this slow thing that's been building, but when it happens, it's going to be significant. It's going to be lasting. Um, and so, you know, these, these things don't happen in a vacuum. We, we, there has been lead-ups to all of these events, right? Yeah. So many, so many lead-ups. Uranus always never fails to actually surprise It'll throw me. something. <laughs> like, in. It'll, yeah. like, it's like you knew this was yeah. coming, but yeah. like this aspect of it or yeah. the timing or something, you know, or yeah. who's involved, you know, et cetera. It'll always give you some sort of thing. But like the overall Absolutely. arching uh, thing, you know, picture of it um, w- won't be that much of a surprise, but it doesn't mean it's not uh, disruptive or I guess, you, you know, I guess some flexible. of my, I guess some of my advice with this, in addition that my cautious cancerian side is be, be, um, frugal with your resources around this period. Yes. Of time, you I know? agree. Um, I think that because we're going to get the Mars Uranus conjunction with the North node and then Mars is going to square Saturn. So when it's moving through a sign that is related to the abundance that supports us, you know, like with fertility of the earth, you know, maybe it's something related to that where we are separated from the things that are supporting us. And that can lead to feelings of lack and scarcity and things like that. And it doesn't have to be as big of a tragedy if you're prepared and if you've been setting healthy limitations to your expenditures and your and preparing a little bit better for that. doesn't mean you have to become some crazy Montana prepper or something like that, but, (laughs) but just, you know, like I said, like having a good emergency kit, like maybe paring down the, the discretionary spending and saying, well, we're going to put some extra aside if something happens. Um, those little things can really add up and, and make times like this help you help with your resiliency. I think that that's the word I would put is it'll help you become more resilient when we face some of these inevitable challenges that we, we probably most likely will, will go through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be conscious with your resources. Economy. <laughs> it's like economy. economy right? yeah, yeah. Because I, it's a, this is, this is a thing, this is a thing right now. And I yeah. think Mars will be very disruptive and you know, what we take for granted. Um, um, inflation is real and the interest rates keep climbing and the, price of things keeps climbing and, you know, global conflicts have, uh, an effect on, on markets and, and the resources that we can and cannot acquire. So yeah. it's, it, it, there may be some un- difficult to predict event that may make it more challenging to get some of the things that we're used to, or that we took for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And we think about just what those things, uh, the value of those things, you know, we think about Mars as the, the one that takes, yeah, 
separates yeah, so, us from things. And so it wants to take, it'll take us away from it or it'll take our money. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you want this, well, it's going to yeah. take a lot of money to, yeah. to get that, that, that stable. Um, so just be Georgia, yeah. George Harrison told us all about it. It's going to take time. It's going to take a whole, take a lot, whole of lot of precious time. Yeah. It's going to take, take plenty of time to do it, 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 to do it right now. I got set up. Yeah. I used to love that song. That was a great song. So good. So good. But he also cancer is going down the nostalgia. But he's also like, it's going to take money, a whole lot of precious money. A whole lot of precious money. It's going to take plenty of money. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. All right. We got to move on with this forecast. We're going to be like three hours in. Karaoke hour. Yeah, your karaoke hour has begun. Your kids, uh, you get, you don't have to go home, but your kids stay here. You know, you would think we're drinking, but we're not. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, all right. It's, well, the, we're sun, at the, it's the sun Neptune uh, drunkenness. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We're, we're sun square Neptuning right now. Um, but all right. So basically at this point, once, you know, these ingresses are made with Mars and Mercury, we are at a first quarter moon in Libra. So, you know, the, the lunar cycle itself is kicking off and in Libra territory, um, which we always know is very uh, social and uh, relatedness to relationships and just relations to everyone, to justice system situations. You know, these are yeah. types of things that could come up with with Libra. Um, so there is that that's going to kick off. Um, and a couple of days after that, we have the sun making a square to Chiron. Mm. Um, and, and as we speak right now, Mars is conjunct Chiron, uh, but there's going to be a sun square Chiron. And then Mercury is also going to square Jupiter that same day. So there's a little bit of a interesting for our, for our birthdays. Oh, well, that's like, great. Um, <laughs> I'll be built into our solar. I start to turn charts. I know. I think I, lo- I think I wrote this down earlier, and I was like, hmm, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, Mercury is my time lord next year oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Mercury I square get, Jupiter. It could be worse. I mean, <laughs> fun me. I, I've had Saturn as my time lord for last year, and Saturn will be my time lord. Oh, you're again. the Saturn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there. I, yeah, it's uh, a yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of put all these days together yeah. in some sure. respects. So we have, uh, July 8th is Mercury squaring Jupiter and the sun squaring Chiron, but the sun is doing this kind of back-to-back thing where it squares Chiron, but then it's going to go on to sextile Uranus and the North Node uh, uh, from the 10th through the 12th. So the sun's kind of making its own journey where it gets a little triggered by this kind of Chiron action, but then it's making a supportive sextile to Uranus um, and and the North Node, which I, I like those things. And they could be some precursors to what Mars will be doing later. Um, but you know, Mercury and Jupiter are getting together. That speaks to me as more inflation on yeah. goods and things like that. Because here's my theory: it's like we we already obviously saw the inflation in the the Aries ingress with you know Mercury conjunct Jupiter. Mercury not in a good state. Jupiter really strong. 
And I feel like there's just going to be this build and build of inflation, at least until Jupiter goes retrograde uh, at the end of July. Not to say that it will totally end then by any means, but I think the climb of just things continuing to balloon and inflate. Well, and look at look at Jupiter's host now in its exile instead of in its exactly home, right exactly you know? yeah. So it's in not the sign of resources. So. In the sign of resources. Yeah. So to me, this this speaks of just things kind of getting out of control with uh, prices and transactions and. Um, you know, we're, and we're looking for some, we're looking for some relief, you know, (laughs) to some extent. Um, that's, that's the way I see it. Not to say that the relief will necessarily come when Jupiter goes retrograde, but I think maybe it'll take some of that pressure off. Um, but that's just my theory in this current state. It still has repercussions, of course, for the whole economic system. Um, but you know, we can only go to the store so many times and it goes up like 40 cents every time we see it. Like there will have to eventually be some sort of capping. I would, I think. Um, but I don't, I think this moment is not one of those times. I think we're going to see more. Um, but we could also see very verbal, uh, you know, outrage uh, about this too, or, or perhaps, you know, um, Jupiterian figures speaking out on what's happening, you know, cause people are trying to find solutions and right. know, people are like, do something. And you're like, but if I do this, it's going to do this. And it says, once again, we're to this catalytic chain reaction of, well, Mercury is hanging out similar to the degree of the new moon. So it may true. be reflecting similar themes that we saw with the sun moon square to Jupiter, but just now it's, it's more of a discussion rather than an awareness, Mm. you know, because Mercury is involved with that. So all these cycles are connected, right? All these meta cycles and um, it may bring a similar theme to a different area of your life as well, because let's say the new moon uh, lit up your, I don't know, your, sixth house or something like that but then mercury rules a different house in your chart so you may feel it in a slightly different area of your chart but with similar themes yeah it definitely does seem like there there's some tying yeah tying in there you know finally the word comes around or the uh, the uh, information or the perception of it or the talk of it etc um so i feel like something something's kicking up there um the sun sextile Uranus in the North node just, you know, that adds a little, I feel like, I feel like that is like, let me get clever here. Like, how do I, you know what I mean? Like, this is the point where it's like, well, let me, what can I, what can I do? How can I preserve myself? How can I preserve my, my family, my resources, my safety, my security? Like if, if what I do doesn't normally work or what I do, I can't, you know, totally that, cause that second obtain, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that second 10 degrees of cancer, Austin Coppock calls the walled garden. So it's all about being able to protect something vulnerable and valuable so that you can nurture it to, to fruition. So yeah, we, we might be putting up the shields and saying, let's hunker down. Like maybe we don't go on that expensive vacation this summer and spend a bunch of money in gas. Maybe gas prices are crazy or something, but, but see this, here's the thing. Like you don't have to go on a super expensive long distance vacation to connect with people, to, yeah. to relax. And, and maybe yeah. that's where the innovation comes in. Maybe you could do something more local 
that requires less travel, less budget. Maybe you can do a staycation or, or go to your local, I don't know, pond or beach or something, but depending on if you live near stuff like that, but um, there's ways that, and, but it's going to test your ability to innovate. Um, but like I said, sometimes some of the most beautiful experiences I've had have, haven't been these like big extravagant things. They've been just quiet moments, you know, with at home with family and things like that. So it might be time to lean into things like that. Yeah. It's like, the, I feel like if there's two signs that like, that can appreciate the simple things in life, yeah, uh, cancer and Taurus are definitely up there. Virgo there as go. well. Um, but you know, like these, it's like, look for those, uh, things that bring you, you know, joy and excitement. Um, well, I'm, a can- I'm a cancer sun with a Taurus moon. So you're, you're speaking. There, my, there you go. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at, on the same time, uh, just about on uh, July 12th, we have Mercury. Mercury is going to square Chiron then. So, you know, Mercury is coming around because as once again, Mercury is basically shadowing all the moves that the sun, sun makes. And so there can be some triggering action there. Um, but Venus also trying Saturn, who is retrograde, as we know, on the 12th of uh, July there, which is a Tuesday. And so this is interesting because, you know, Venus and Saturn have had a very complex relationship ever since her conjunction where she's like sandwiched with Mars and, you know, and and she just went through a square right before the, uh, the cancer season began. And so, you know, here she is and she's like, I'm cooperating with you. We're, we're going to work. We're going to, we're going to flow together. We're going to work together. Um, and so well, and, and maybe this is yeah. the therapy session that you go through after the, the problem argument, after, yeah. come up, right? <laughs> the reunifying kind of like sober discussions that are very idealistic and rational, but, but based on the reality of your situation now, rather than the illusions. Um, so I think it could be pretty productive and fruitful. It could be committing to a new ideological set of values in your relationships or in our societies or, or whatnot. So uh, th- those types of things, it's like the, the binding um, action of Saturn coming together with the, uni- the unifying and harmonizing quality of, of Venus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can really imagine like people um, bonding over like mind, you know, maybe they have a cause yeah. that they want, they want to speak out together and they're unifying their purpose, um, or goal, et cetera. Um, it also seems very, uh, strategic, uh, just as far as relationships are concerned, you know, you know, talking about what your plans might be or your outlook or what, even if it's your, uh, um, uh, what's the, uh, Ah, my brain, it's getting, it's getting <laughs> mushy. late. Um, yeah, mushy brain, brain is getting mushy. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to say your escape plan, but what you were just telling people to prepare Prepa- for emerg- themselves. Emergency preparedness. Yes. 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 And so thinking about those, uh, yeah. kind of like necessary, uh, you know, neat coming together, like having those talks, um, yeah, and you know, in in conjunction with the trine between Saturn and Venus, the Sun's moved into the third area of of Cancer, which is related to themes of um, scarcity versus luxury. So, like the recognition of somebody getting more is taking away from somebody who is receiving less, 
Um, there's also that four of cups energy with that Deccan where you have the figure that's sitting under the tree refusing the extra hand of, of the divine. And, you know, it's kind of the, <clears throat> the transition I see in cancer with that the T. Susan Chang really points out is you desire something in the first Deccan. You get it satiated in that second Deccan. You celebrate with abundance. And then the third Deccan, you're kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm well fed or I feel the lack and, and now I'm just bored with this. <laughs> like, it's like, what's next? It's kind of like the refusing, refusing something uh, that's being offered to you and saying, I'm not feeling this anymore. How do I get prepared for the next cycle that is inspiring? Yeah. And it, well, it's interesting because it's like the card of luxury, right. technically, you know, moon, right. moon and cancer. And it's, it's, but it's so full in a sense, you know, it kind of has like that third quarter <laughs> phase. It's yeah. like, it's so full, um, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't satiate anymore or it, well, there's complacency that happens. Um, and, with, and the, and that. the moon is waxing towards fullness in Capricorn. So in it's, Cap exactly. which is not its favorite place. <laughs> like, Don't I know? <laughs> like, I know you do. <laughs> yeah. So we are, <laughs> we are basically leading up to a full moon on July 13th, which is a Wednesday, um, yeah. in Capricorn. And so, uh, you know, this is always a, this is what well, is the buck moon, the buck full moon, I think, or <laughs> I think it's also it the, the thunder moon. Is it's it the, 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 the rutting, moon. the rutting moon. <laughs> uh, it's it's the moon that always, uh, yeah, it's the it's the sobering moon. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to think of Venus, who is coming up a trine with the ruler of the full moon, uh, mm -hmm. Saturn, at that same time. So there is. You know, because full moons, these are very uh, interpersonal lunations because, you know, it's the oppositions kind of are the I, I and the other, you know, there's like, we're confronted with something outside of ourselves. So to have a Venus kind of in, uh, and this is Saturn's aspect to some degree, yeah. um, it's a, it's an interesting configuration. I think it kind of helps it, honestly. Uh, because at first glance, we look at the moon at 21 degrees of Capricorn and we're like, oh, you're a little close to Pluto. You're a little <laughs> close. You're a little too Danger close to, to Pluto. Um, yeah. But also, you know, the there's a trine that happens right before this, that trine to Uranus. Um, and then there is uh, a sextile to Neptune before there is the conjunction to Pluto. So it's not like the moon immediately goes straight to Pluto. Cause if that was the case, I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know, but there is, there is some, uh, tempering with that Neptune, maybe just, a, well, I don't know about tempering, but <laughs> it's, it's not like pure Pluto, uh, right away. There seems to be this diffusive, uh, force that is in there too. Um, and Mercury also sextiling uh, Uranus at that time. So the moon is lighting up this Mercury Ur Uranus configuration before it makes the full moon, uh, which does seem a little excitable. Um, some, yeah, here's, some here's, here's what I would say with this one. This reminds me of the time during the pandemic where people started hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm serious. This is, this is like a similar aspect to... With, with the moon in Capricorn 3, which is related to uh, 
hesed, but but hoarding this this hesed is this energy uh, in the kabbalistic tree of life that is about the flow, the limitlessness, the abundance, and in this third decade of Capricorn, you see a figure in the four of pentacles that is holding on to everything so tightly, like all its material resources and saying, oh, I need more. I need this, like King Midas, right? And, you know, because we may be experiencing inflation or, or some challenges with resources, the, the flip side of that is we have to, we feel like we have to go like, you know, get ours and, and stack up on toilet paper or whatever it is that we feel is, we'd be lacking, which can lead to even a bigger exacerbation of the problem because, you know, instead of sharing with others, we're trying to, you know, clogging up the system. Exactly. So uh, that would, that would be my main uh, warning and advice with that is that even if you feel like there's some scary things happening, um, it's important not to overdo the, the, the preparedness type of exercises as well if it, if if what it is doing is actually making the problem worse rather than better yeah it's interesting when we think about the concept of taking what you need right. because taking what you need uh results or relies on having trust that when you need again you'll have the resource yeah um and not everybody uh <laughs> you know like that's the and then that's the irony too, is like, I remember the toilet paper situation went down. Maybe I was late on the game. I don't know. I didn't, I did not hoard. I did not have the things that I needed, Yeah. but I'll tell you what the friends that came out of the woodwork, give me a right. roll of toilet paper right. to like the sharing and the, like, exactly. I had friends dropping me off a roll. <laughs> you know? yeah, awesome. it, it was, it was great. It, it was connective. Uh, like I had trust in the flow of the universe to provide what I needed when I needed. Well, those um, extreme situations can bring out the worst, but also the best in people. So exactly. you get to choose how you react to these circumstances. You don't always get to choose the circumstances, but you get to choose what kind of character you're going to display when the crisis situation may hit. And, you know, it's like Mr. Rogers would say, there's that quote where he's like, look for the helpers, right? How do we, someone was asking him, how do we deal with these tragedies in the world? And it's look for the helpers, look for the people that are really, you know, digging deep into their um, sense of integrity and trying to, to, to be the best that they can be in that moment. And the best you can be in that moment, maybe, different than the best you can be in a moment that's not so intense, but at least the attempts to be uh, a communal, a communal kindness. <laughs> like That's the one, one word that I wrote down in my notes. Um, Liz Green talks about an energy of, oh, let's see, what was it? Divine, divine kindness, like a divine uh, cancer representing, um, let's see. Sorry, I just thought this was a good, a divine climate of kindness, right? And that's why like, like Mars or Saturn and Cancer is like, they're not like into that kind of thing. <laughs> like so, and the moon, it, Capricorn is not the divine climate of kindness. It's, it's more so related to cold, hard reality. So it, that's why there's some discomfort there. When, when the moon that is normally most at home in a divine climate of kindness and nurturing is in the, the sign of cold, hard reality, there's just a little bit of a disconnect. So how can you try to return to that, that kindness, even when everyone else may be 
not not pursuing that. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting space because it does deal with power dynamics, and yeah. you know we're probably going to see a lot of uh, uh, political, you know, corporations, systematic stuff coming to the news or coming to blossoming the forefront. But it it also you know that, that's the issue with the access of Cancer and Capricorn is it's the idea of the unconditional and the conditional, and uh, the Moon and Capricorn can definitely nurture through condition. Yeah. Uh, rather than, <laughs> you know, need. But I think what the point that you're bringing up is really interesting, Spencer, because pretty much what happens right after this full moon is we have this kind of unique configuration when we talk about the kindness that you were just talking about, um, where Venus is going to be squaring Neptune. Basically, Venus squares Neptune on the full moon or like not too long after it. Um, right. But... In the days coming on the 16th and the 17th, that is when Mercury is going to have its Kazemi with the sun, um, but also it just happens to trine uh, Neptune at the same time. Nice. So here we have that, you know, like uh, if if the, the caring energy uh, and the moon's going to be in Pisces too. So maybe if there's, if there is hardness during the Capricorn moon, I think a couple of days later, by the time we get to the weekend of July 16th um, and the 17th, we do have a, a softening position to some extent, at least interpersonally and like being able to, co- to connect with the uh, Neptune energies and maybe like a softer, kinder, more compassionate spirit for ourselves. It's going to be very activating for the U S just because the U S has its mercury basically on the Kazemi itself. So that's, That's you know, it is crazy. So this is this whole mercury, mercury cycle, not even just this Kazemi, this mercury cycle that it's embedded in is very tied up with, uh, mercurial stuff for the, for the U.S., um, well, I'll be, what I'll, a, be, I'll be talking cancer decans on that day on the Mercury. Oh, Kazemi. well, look at you! That, how perfect! So <laughs> I even Mercury pushed it Kazemi. back. I even pushed it back a week as far as when I normally do it because I was like, "Oh, that looks like a much better day to do it on." So, oh yeah, you're gonna be tapped in. You're gonna be yeah. tapped into that that cancer zone. Right. So definitely go sign up. Go, go <laughs> sit. if there, you know, if there's any day to Shame kind of zone plugged. out and listen to, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, cancer. I can't just speak. There you go. Yeah, that's the thing is we, we might just want to uh, kind of just immerse ourselves yeah. and just hanging out and taking some space. Maybe the last couple of days were intense. Maybe life has been intense. And you just yes, need to, t- you just need be. to turn off your brain for a second or just watch a movie or go to the beach or I bet the beaches are going to be packed on July yes. 16th. Maybe don't go to the beach. <laughs> Maybe sit in your tub. It depends on how how much you want to navigate crowds. But uh, <laughs> well, and that's something else that we we might be dealing with around these summer months is just the heat waves. You know, yeah. like that's something that it was a hundred degrees here in Michigan today. So that's another reason I'm probably like cranky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> today because <laughs> I live on the second floor of a, a two unit place and it's a. Uh, it's a lot of um, <laughs> it's a lot of heat and yeah. I'm a cool seventy degrees. <laughs> there you go. Well, good old good old California. Yeah. 
and why so, I pay so much to live here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my cat has wandered in and is making an appearance. So <laughs> oh, my cat just walked by. It's a, the cats are like, you guys have been talking for a while. What's going on here? Yeah. Um, so any, any take on that, uh, the superior Kazemi that we haven't quite shared yet before yeah, we move on? I mean, so you, you're, you're spot on pointing out the trine with Neptune. So, you know, a, a, that square that we experienced earlier, now maybe we've got a, a, a more harmonious relationship with the way that we're seeing the world and the illusions that we have around our thought processes. This is also a place where we're seeing a, a, an applying opposition to Pluto too. Yes. So, so this is, there, there's something pretty intense that is going to come out of this as well. So again, that Deccan is really highlights the haves and the have nots. And I think that this could be really something that's in the, the conversation universally is, well, why do these people get to, you know, have abundance and these and while everyone else suffers type of thing? I think there could be some really uh, big, big picture conversations that happen around those specific issues. Yeah. I could, I could, I could see that with Neptune being in the mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, one, uh, the other thing I'll say too, sorry, mm -hmm. this is another stream of consciousness thought with the, with the applying opposition with the sun and Pluto too. I remember this from two years ago, uh, the sun Pluto opposition was happening when we were having, uh, protests happening in, in Portland and they were bringing, um, unmarked vans around and basically kidnapping and detaining protesters and taking them to like these undisclosed locations. So Pluto in myth erupts from the underworld to abduct Persephone and bring her back to the underworld. So there may be some themes like that as well with like abuse of power or, you know, abductions or things like that. Like, I hope not, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it may be an intense social time where we're coming face to face with power and how power can be used in a corrupt way as well. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, there's already been, I mean, just talks right now about uh, po the police force and the, you know, how fast they're moving with children, you know, we think about cancer yeah. and stuff like that. It could be more about uh, that talk or yeah. uh, changes there. And, but even the social dynamic, because right before this happens, uh, you know, Venus was squaring Neptune, Venus still in a very vocal Gemini space now backed by Mercury, who is having a Kazemi with the sun. So she could, you know, be on her own mission of sorts um, there. But absolutely, I feel like there is just that meeting with the sun. And then the next thing Mercury does is oppose Pluto. Well, I yeah. mean, a tri meeting with the sun, trying Neptune, and then it goes to uh, oppose Pluto. It There's like, whether that's something outside yourself or just stark realizations within yourself that like yeah. kind of change your perception or change your, your plan or your, uh, you know, et cetera. There's, it, it does seem like definitely a shift is taking place. Um, which then, uh, that same day, essentially on the 17th, we have Venus, uh, moving into cancer. Okay. So, um, you know, now she's part of the Cancerian party. Oh, my cat's in the background. Yeah. We've got cats. We got cats lurking. Well, well, this is the forbidden room with all the like poisonous plants. That's why oh, I got to keep an eye on Oh, kitty. But I, ha I have need the, to go. 
I usually don't have the yeah. I usually don't have the door open, but since it's so hot so in hot. here, I, I have to keep them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 hear a kid. Yeah, there's some troubles getting stirred up. Yeah. Yeah, I have this funny, I have this funny video that I took of them a long time ago that I posted in slow motion on my Instagram of them jumping over the fan in my doorway and knocking it over and then the other one going scurrying in the other direction. I I feel like that moment is coming again soon. Coming again soon. Well, well, we're to, we got to wrap up these last few things here anyway. (laughs) So basically we have a couple things happening at the end of cancer season here. That's Venus moving into, uh, cancer on uh, the 17th. Then we have Mercury and the sun in cancer, both oppose Pluto on the 18th, 19th, which we just talked about. Um, and so that's like a Monday and a Tuesday, uh, and then Mercury ingresses into Leo, uh, right when Chiron stations retrograde too on the 19th. So there, we have a couple ingresses that are essentially taking place and, and kind of like a, this, uh, wounded triggery sig- signature with Chiron station. If you follow Chiron, because, um, there is, it's, uh, whenever a planet stations, it becomes pretty pretty prominent. The moon's also going over it around the same time. So here we have this Aries moon kind of lighting mm, up this space. Activating it. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there definitely does seem to be, um, you know, because, it, because this is leading us into on the 20th, there's a last quarter moon in Aries at 27 mm. degrees Aries right before, uh, Leo season begins. And, a last quarter in Aries to me has a little bit of a desperation yeah, <laughs> uh, signature yeah. to it. You know, it has like, there is a strong activation point there. And especially with Chiron stationing and um, the moon going over it to go to last quarter, there could be the 19th and the 20th could be a little crunchy just far as. Um, and it's T squaring that Pluto, Pluto yeah, opposition. It, yeah, exactly. So. so it or well, Mercury already moved on by the time it really does the T square, but you know, no, it doesn't. The sun, the sun Pluto, yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. they're uh yeah, the 19th, 20th, uh 20th in particular, because that's the that's the exact earlier in the morning. Yeah, that's um that's highlighting that's highlight highlighting these power dynamics and it's highlighting a lot of the Aries action that we started out this season with. And the, those tensions with the cardinal energies and uh, the the home, the family, the independent initiative, the power in the systems, you know, there, this is a crunch that's happening uh, right before we go into Leo season, which mm. it happens to be at the exact same time. Uh, we have Mars here at 10 degrees of Taurus, and this is also the activation point of the eclipse. Oh, so no. this is something that, so you can, you can bet the week of the 18th, the 18th, the 19th, and the 20th are pretty dynamic days in the sky, um, collectively and personally in your, in your own life and whatever the eclipse story is for you, how these cardinal placements are taking place. Um, yeah, so it's a lot. lot. I know this is like, Gray and I made a joke in the last, uh, program where we saw a chart that was pretty, like a little difficult and we both had nothing to say. And I was like, I feel like this aspect needs a moment of silence. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's sometimes that's all you can do. And there's wisdom in that though, because then that quiets the mind, you know, and sometimes when you get centered again, when you're 
facing something challenging, you make a better decision in that moment. And I think mm. that that's, I think that's a really good advice for this, this period of time is just try to stay as centered as you can. Um, be vigilant. You're asking me about what my one word could be. I think that's probably uh, yeah, the word. The vigilant. Vigilance, Vigilance. Which, which is not necessarily just uh, surrendering to fear. Vigilance is, is keeping both of your feet on the ground, paying attention to your surroundings like a sensitive crab would, and, you know, being prepared. Like, so, so it's, it's not getting complacent. It's the opposite of complacency. And, and that's something I think we can all uh, strive for without making it into this, like, oh my God, this terrible thing's going to happen. It's like, no, it's just like, okay, I've got my plan. I'm going to go about my business, but I've got my plan. If it happens, then I can be cool under fire rather than just you know, being in a place where I'm not prepared and then you run around like a chicken with your head cut off or like, like Mars on Algol that we're going to see later on. Later um, on. Yeah. It's square Saturn, right? So, so yeah. that, that is the key. That's, and that's some, how you can avoid the worst of Algol, I think too, is preparedness and, and, um, you know, st- keeping your wits about you and, and, uh, channeling that, that, uh, passion into the right direction. Mm. creativity maybe or preparedness mm. you know look at what perseus yeah. had when he had to face the gorgon he had this beautiful shield he had these these winged sandals he he was prepared he had like his his bug out bag you know when he had to go <laughs> talk to the or not talk to when he had to go acquire the head of medusa to rescue the princess andromeda from the from the sea creature the kraken Kraken, the Kraken. The Kraken. All I can think of is Harry Hamlin in that 80s. Oh, that's uh, the best one. Clash of the Titans, right? Yeah, yeah. I, he's my favorite. So I love that one. That's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. All right, vigilance. I'm vigilance. trying to think of what my word would be. I'm like, hmm, my brain. My brain is like, my brain says fog. It says fog. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of Neptune stuff. So there's a lot, a lot of Neptune stuff. Fog. Uh, well, it's interesting. If I if I even compare that with what you're saying, it's like there's staying vigilant through the fog. Like if we yeah. don't know exactly how things are going to turn out, or sure. if you know if there's uncertainty that we're dealing with. Um, the best thing we can is be prepared for any outcome, you That's know, right. That's right. uh, or be flexible with any outcome. So maybe the word is fog, um, but yeah. I mean, that could be very personal to this moment I'm experiencing right now, or that could have to do with everything that we've been talking no, about. Flex- flexibility but. is great too, because that, that allows us to respond in the way that is necessary for that moment. So yeah. instead of pre preconceiving what a moment should be, when we're completely present, then we can respond to what that moment is asking of us rather than, you know, reacting in a way that we wish it was happening or reacting in a way where we're afraid of what could happen. You know, it's, it's more about just saying, okay, I'm, I'm prepared, but I'm still staying present in the moment. And, and I think gratitude again is really another word I would really put out there when you're facing scarcity, the way that you can, this is something that I learned from I love Susie Chang, man. She, man, her and M.M. Milan, so good. But <laughs> they talked about the fives, which, which are uh, difficult cards in the tarot. 
right? Uh, they're all related to the Sephira Gabura, or, and or Gabura. I don't know how it's pronounced exactly, but I think it's a little of both. Yeah, and she talks about the remedy to all of those is is coming back to the three of cups and, and abundance and gratitude, and just being grateful for what we have, and that can make up for so many things, so much lack that we may perceive. Uh, this is going to be a test of our perception. Like, how are we perceiving things? Are we basing things on a past that no longer exists anymore? Or are we basing our expectations on a future that may not be the future that we actually have? And how do we live with the moment that we actually are living and find peace within that rather than, you know, discomfort? Yeah. And that is, that's difficult when Mars it's moving hard. through the first decan of Taurus. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Uh, but you know, that's the, that's the challenge that that's the challenge that we're in. Um, and we're all going to get through it. That's the thing. It's like, we're all, we're all going to make it. Well, and your friendly astrologers (laughs) are here to guide you through it. If you need, we are, if you need some guidance (laughs) or if you need a pep talk, you know, I'm great at pep talks. So it's it's part guidance, part astrological guidance, part Mel pep talk. That's right. Uh, I'm like, you know, that's what I'm here for. So, all right, Spencer. Well, it was great chat. Yeah, <laughs> cancer season with you, all things cancer to cancer to cancer. Um, yeah. So, where can people find you? We know you, you know, we know what you're going on, what you got yeah. going on. So, uh, where, yeah. where are you living so, on the webs? So, I, you can find me at spencermichaud.com, M I C H A U D.com. And that has all my, uh, you know, links to booking readings or classes or tutoring. I do astrological tutoring as well. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Spencer Michaud Astrology, that I do live streams for the new and the full moon. And I do a monthly also on that channel. So you can join me for live streams with a nice conversation with a really international community that's been stopping by. It's really a lot of fun having those talks and then I'm, I'm active on Instagram. Um, I have a Twitter at Spencer Michaud and Instagram is the same uh, handle, but I, I post uh, astrologically significant uh, announcements, but mostly pictures of cats and, um, you know, interesting animal stuff in my stories and funny things. I, I try to keep it fairly light on my Instagram. Um, hopefully it's, it's a little bit of a virtual hug for people on some level. <laughs> which we're all going to need. Um, sorry, sorry for the virtual slap in the face today. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, it wasn't intentional, but looking at the astrology, it's, astrology it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. duty to say, yes. um, so remind us of the, the day again and the time of yeah, the cancer. So, so the decans of cancer webinar work slash workshop is going to be July 16th on the Mercury Kazemi at 1 PM Eastern time, which is a Saturday. You can also sign up for the, the Summer Decans Bundle, which is Cancer, Leo, and Virgo um, on my website as well, where you get an extra discount if you sign up for all three. And of course, you can use uh, you can use uh, Mel's code, my EP20. Code, EP20. Uh, for, for 20% <laughs> off, right? So yeah. That's right. So you're going to want to use that code. Uh, and of course, I'll share all of Spencer's information over at my webpage at energeticprinciples.com uh, and remind you of the code in case you need it there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, you can come find me over there where you, if you like and want to support the program and my astrological efforts, you can book a consultation. Uh, I also have my monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, you can sign up for if you would like some astrology straight to your inbox in a nice, somewhat concise form. Um, what else do I got going on? I have some things I'm cooking up with uh, Christina Caudill that we're going to let you know more of on the solstice, but I can't say right now. Nice. So I'm going to leave you hanging in um yeah so stay tuned for that uh what else what else what else well if you liked what you heard here today um or felt that it was information worthy to share with a friend you know sharing is caring spread the good word share the podcast with others um or if you can leave a review wherever you listen to this that will help the podcast be seen further um, and yeah, I think that that's it. That's all we've said so much. What else is there to say? <laughs> so, all right, Spencer. Well, it's always a pleasure getting to chat with you. You're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you, Mel. It's, it's, the pleasure is all mine. I really enjoy chatting with you and working with you. So thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. And uh, thank you all for tuning in with us for another long broadcast. Um, we hope you got value from our forecast uh, for the month ahead. And we wish you the best of luck during cancer season. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.